Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning into the Big Hunker Podcast. We have a big giveaway going on this week only. It ends on Friday, uh, what is it, August the 11th or something like that. We have a major giveaway going on. The Mr. Corey over there at Double T British Kennels is giving away a brand new puppy. We're throwing in a Lucky Duck Kennel coming with a Moe Marsh uh, blind and dog stand. A lot of good stuff. Go to our Facebook. Six months worth of Perina dog food. And five months and of five training. five months of training. Thank you very much, Double T. So go to our Facebook page, The Big Honker Podcast. It has got everything uh, listed on what you got to do to get entered to it. It's this week only, so you better hurry up and do it. Also, go over to our YouTube channel, The Big Honker Podcast. Get subscribed to it. Every Thursday evening, we are releasing a brand new episode of our series, The First Family of Waterfowl. It is season two. And it is very, very good. So go and, check it out. And look us up on Patreon at the Big Honker Podcast. We release three videos a week. It costs you $3 a month. And there will be more goodies tied to it. So this podcast is brought to you by Shin Gear at ShinGear.com. They are releasing all sorts of good stuff. They just came out with a brand new pullover just yesterday. Jeff got it in uh, yesterday also as it was released. So Jeff will have to tell you how it is, uh, on the three and a half hunts a year that he does. Um, <laughs> the bibs are phenomenal. I was lucky enough to torture test them last year. They're great. They're waterproof. They're wind resistant or windproof. Hell, you don't feel any wind, uh, great material and great people over there at shin gear. Their waders are out of this world and they have a guarantee. They will stand behind their waders for as long as you stand in them. So if you ever have any problems with any garments that are from shin gear, send it back. They'll fix it and get it right back out to you in a timely manner, which is important. Shingear.com, Go check them out. Also, we're brought to you by Pacific Calls at PacificCustomCalls.com. They're releasing some new calls. They've got another spec call coming out, the BBS, and they've got a big goose call coming out. The BBG, it is going to cater to the guys that are chasing the big geese, so... My favorite is still the BA Lesser call. It is the one that I choose and the PCD duck call. So I know a lot of guys are moving to the no name. I'm a PCD guy. But head over to PacificCustomCalls.com and get whatever you're going to need for this coming waterfowl season because it's coming shortly. We're also brought to you by Double T British Kennels, BritLabs.com. Mr. Corey over there that's doing the giveaway, he has an 18-month wait list. The proof is in the pudding. He's putting out some phenomenal dogs. We'll have a couple dogs out here this year at Stanfield Outfitters. So hardworking, good dogs, good pets, good citizens, just great good attitude. Overall. You, you you can't go wrong with Double T British Kennels. You just and, can't do it. And Corey is a stand up guy. I mean, he goes above and beyond for his clients, and his dogs are just a testament to the hard work that he puts into them. A good man with a great, great, great company. So check them out, BritLabs.com, and you can get on a waiting list or send him an email. And, you know, if you've already got a dog, he can help you in the training of it. So send him an email, check them out, BritLabs.com. Also, we're brought to you by Boss Shot Shells. You are missing a major, major advantage if you are not shooting Boss Shot Shells. Uh, the Stanfield Nines, you need to call or email them. Order them direct. Get a hold of Meg at the shop. She can take care of you on the Stanfield Nines. The best teal load you can buy this year. Yes. And dove load. If you're hunting some state land or federal land that doesn't allow non-toxic, the nines are going to be great for dove hunting too. So, um, And then as far as waterfowl loads, just get the old standard. The old two and three quarter inch, three five blend. It's the way that I rock New war chiefs will be day. out this month. War chiefs are coming out. They got a lot of cool stuff uh, going on over there. 
uh, sign up to everything that they got going on. They've got uh, different email email letters and newsletters coming out, so you can stay up to date on everything that Boss has going on. But major, major advantage once you switch to Boss. So, Also, we're brought to you by Lucky Duck. They have got a lot of brand new stuff. They've got a brand new spinner out. Uh, you know, if you're a goose hunter, you know this. Once the spinner's going, uh, there's nothing worse than geese come in and you got to turn off the spinner and wing side up. It always stinks. White side up. So they have figured out a way, white side down, black on top. So it's going to be black and white. That contrast is going to catch the eye of the bird a lot easier. Also, dove season is coming up for a lot of people down here in the southern states of Texas. They've got great dove spinners. The more the merrier. Dove will do it just like teal will. So get you three or four of those dove spinners if you've got a dove hunt coming up. You're not going to regret it. They've also got dog kennels, five-star crash test rated. They fit the big boys in there like Lou. Uh, I cannot say enough about Lucky Duck. Everything that they do is great, and they're always trying to find a way of improving. So head over to LuckyDuck.com and pick from any of the various items that they have. You're not going to be disappointed. Brand new ice eaters out too. They're in the ice eater game. Yep, the floating ones. That's right. We're also brought to you by Hemp Hill Farms for your CBD needs. Listen, I'm getting a little bit older, so I got more aches and pains than I used to have. I take I take Hemp Hill every night. I take a gummy before I go to bed. And the roll-on, I absolutely love. I'm old. I get in the pool. My grandkids wear me the hell out. They think I'm a jungle gym. The knees are sore when I get out of the swimming pool from wrestling with them for hours at a time. Put on some salve or the roll-on. Put it right on my knee. Quits hurting within a minute. I like the roll-on. Got a little bit going. Got a little something going on with my ankle and Achilles. So just roll it on and the pain goes away. He's also got uh, pet CBD. So uh, if you have a dog that gets a little bit anxious, maybe when the guns are going off, or he's just a bucket bronco until the first flock comes in. Maybe check out some pet so CBD. You're going to keep Lou zoned up all year I'm long, gonna, right? I'm going to keep him doped up. Yep. He's <laughs> going to be, he'll be pissing hot by the end of the year. So, uh, but no, great, great people, all natural, uh, all organically grown. And, you know, the, the way that they do everything, high, high quality over there at Hemp Hill Farms. And first time customers get, save a little bit of money. If you got the ouchies and everyone that's older has an ouchie, whether it's a shoulder, an elbow, or anything, the roll on is so easy. You just roll it, just, just put it on, and it, man, it doesn't burn like being gay. There's no side effects. It just it makes you quit hurting. I highly recommend it. Hemphillfarm.com with a PH. We're also brought to you by Dive Bomb Industries. They have revolutionized the silhouette game. It is still the most cost-effective way of having a nice waterfowl spread. Uh, you can get five or ten dozen of the silhouettes, and you know you're in the game pretty much anywhere in the in North America. And you don't have to break the bank doing it. They've revolutionized silhouettes and they've revolutionized silosocks, which is a very good way of adding movement to your spread. I cannot uh, recommend socks enough. Put them out there. Wind's moving. You got natural motion. And all motion is not created equal. The folks over at Dive Bomb Industries figured out a way of having natural looking motion added to your spread with the socks. So head over to Dive Bomb Industries. You can order right from their website, and it'll ship straight to your door. Also, we're brought to you by Dirty Duck Coffee. It's the way we start our morning here at the Big Honker Lodge every single day. They have a blend for you. My preference is the Missouri Boat Ride blend, but they've got it all. they got suns up, guns up, high velocity, first flight, whatever you're into. And my summertime favorite 
is the cold brew. It's how I spend my afternoons every single day. A little cold brew, a little bit of sorcery, and it's my afternoon pick-me-up. So head over to Dirty Duck Coffee. They're great guys over there at Dirty Duck Coffee. If you're going to any of the uh, coming hunting shows, game fairs coming up, I know they're going to be at it. So stop by the booth, get your morning pick-me-up. Also, we're brought to you by Ducks Unlimited. They are the reason that we still have ducks. They are the leader in wetland conservation and I am so excited to be attached to Ducks Unlimited. Great okay. group of guys. It's it's season. It's time to go to the banquets. Go buy you some raffle tickets. Buy you gun or win some guns. Buy paintings, decoys. You can fill up your whole house at one DU event on perfect stuff for that perfect man cave. And it all goes to a great, great, great source, which is to build wetlands so we can have ducks to hunt. Support them because they're supporting us as duck hunters. Also, we're brought to you by Mossberg, mossberg.com, and we've got some new guns showing up here shortly. Yes, we will have the new. We'll have some over-unders. Me and Andy will be shooting over-unders for our TV show, and we will have. they are providing guns again for our Gold Star Hunt. Can't say a thank you enough for that. There will be eight young men and or women. I think there's a little girl, too, coming this year. For the Gold Star Hunt, Mossberg is very, very, very charitable of them. I don't even know if that's the word I should use. It's very nice of them to donate these guns to these kids for a great cause. It's a great company. The 940 Waterfowl, we shot those last year. Great guns. Reach out, grab you a Mossberg, shoot it, and try it, and see if you don't like it. They're good guns. Also, we're brought to you by Alpha Outdoor Specialties, maker of the Stanfield Stool. It's going to save my back all this coming waterfowl season. And they've got a brand-new blind caddy coming out. Keep, I'm going to be able to just be like having a TV dinner in there. I'll have a place for my coffee to go, and I'll have me a little workstation set up. So alphaoutdoorspecialties.com, you can go there, you can hit the shop button, and all of their stuff, you can see what all they're coming up with. So Great guys, the flooded timber guys, I'm telling you right now, their gun magnet that goes on the trees is the best thing I've ever seen for flooded timber. And be looking for that blind caddy, because it's what I'm going to be using all year long. Also, we're brought to you by the Looking Glass Podcast. Logan and Rebel put on a great show. If you like this one, head over to their Patreon account, Patreon, and just type in the Looking Glass Podcast, and you can be a part of the group of degenerates that are listening to their show. They're hilarious. It is a great way of killing long road trips, listening to Logan and Rebel. And, you know, every once in a while, you'll gain a little bit of knowledge. So Logan and Rebel are great dudes, and we always look forward to seeing them out here at the Big Honker Lodge. So check them out on Patreon, subscribe to everything they got going on, and get prepared to laugh. Last but not least, we're brought to you by Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. Dove season's just around the corner. We are in full off-season or full preparation for Dove Eve out here at the Big Honker Lodge. It's going to be here before we know it. We got a couple dates available. Give us a call, 940-658-3172. Ask for Shin Gear's Husky model because he's the one that answers the phone and we will have your email. I have the Monday and Tuesday before Thanksgiving. I have an opening then, and I think I have, I actually have a weekend. I have a, the November 17th, 18th weekend. I have a group opening then. I had a group move their date to another date, so that is open. That's all I have in November. The Monday, Tuesday before Thanksgiving, and that weekend before Thanksgiving, I think, is the weekend that I have a, a spot for one group. Hunting's outstanding then. That's a great time to come. I still got some times, some days in December. Got the week after Christmas and the week before Christmas. I have a couple spots open still. So, anyways, give me a call. We appreciate you listening to us and check out all of our stuff we have. We've got the Patreon account, Big Honker Podcast. We got the YouTube channel. It's got a giveaway. Don't forget it. Thank you. God bless you and be safe. 
All right, boys and girls, this episode of the podcast, we are joined by Bear Brono. Uh, he is a member of the Texas chapter of the Fallen Outdoors. It is a nonprofit organization that gets veterans out into the outdoors and takes them on hunting trips. And it's a very, very uh, good program that he's associated with. And he gets on here and he tells his story from his time in the military to some of the demons that he battled uh, while serving and then post-deployment. So very, very good podcast. He's a great guy. He's an open book. And enjoy this episode. So here he is, Bear Brona. Matter of fact, he's stationed where my son is. Fort Lewis, I think so. Welcome to the Big Honker Podcast brought to you by Dive Bomb Industries. I'm Jeff Stanfield with the world famous Andy Shaver. And for the record, okay. what I see flying into the pond today, two groups wood of teal. Ducks. You saw wood Fuck, ducks. there wasn't no damn wood ducks in West Texas. We ain't got no fucking trees. There's teal. trees right down there. Two flocks of teal come in. Tony come in, got me, said, come here and look at this. I'm like, fuck, set me up for a snake again. Mm-hmm. And there was two flocks of teal come in. So it's 105 degrees, but we do have a north wind. And so... First teal of this season are seen on August 21st for us this year. I still say they've been here before then. You disagree with that? I mean, you say you saw them, I'm going to say you saw them. It's wedding. We just got back from the Nebraska wedding with Blake. Yep. We married my fat son off. What are your feelings on wedding? Introduce our guests and we'll, we'll get... With us today, set. from Team Texas Falling Outdoors from Wichita Falls, Mr. Bear Brano. Did I do it right? Did that's, I say your last name right? That's correct, sir. The whole thing, the name and everything. Yes, sir. Chalk that down. That's the first time I've ever not fucked up. And <laughs> That's a good one. 887 yeah. podcasters. He sure. has a hard time because for whatever reason... That's the only time he's like consciously thinking about what he's going to say, and it's always fucked up. Always <laughs> fucked up. I, I think I was just talking about that. I yeah. subconsciously <laughs> say shit that I shouldn't probably say that gets me <laughs> fucked up later, but I still say it. What are, what are your feelings on weddings, big extravagant weddings? Well, funny you should say that. I, you know, my daughter, she's a senior this year, and she's, you know, she's about to, she's already a young woman, but she's about to venture into life. And I know that weddings are right around the corner, <laughs> and I know how damn expensive they can be right um so yeah man uh, my wife and i we uh we were high school sweethearts and we got married at the courthouse you know i was in the military at the time um and so we just did a basic you know justice of the peace and and then we had a an actual ceremony whenever i got out of basic training i came back to wichita falls and um it was a nice little ceremony but it wasn't super extravagant and i'm right. thankful for that because my wife's not like that she's not materialistic or want the you know $40,000 wedding. So, but yeah, man, I know they can be expensive and I'm not looking forward to it. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> we were teeing off. We, Blake, who works for us, he's like our, he's like another son to me. Means a lot to me. I love the boy to death. Him and Emily got married. We all, the whole clan went to Nebraska. I slept in a fraternity house for three days, it seemed like. Why? Fucking my bed was 18 uh, inches wide. Twin bed? <laughs> yeah, fuck, it was terrible. <laughs> And if you noticed, your your kids slept downstairs with us all the time. And That's your where the youngest, bunk bed was. Your youngest son talks a lot. He does talk a he lot. He's not at nighttime. He just kept talking and talking and talking. So Michelle said, quit answering him. 
you won't answer him no more, he'll go to sleep. And doesn't really ask a whole lot of questions. He just talks. Yes. <laughs> a little jabber box. Yeah. He's yeah. a talker. How old is he? Five. Just turned five, five. a couple nice. weeks ago. Had his, shirt, had his shirt off at the wedding, was just in shorts running around, jumping all over the place. He had a button nice. up like Jeff, and he had it all the way undone. He looked like The Rock running into like a promo. He was probably the star of the show, too. Huh? Uh, he, yeah. he, has, he has a really good time. Anyways, we're teeing off. We played golf on Saturday. Got married at the country club. So we all played golf, all the groomsmen, and then me and the Texas boys. There were some other guys from Texas there, good friends. We And we played golf that morning, and I saw him setting up all the chairs, and they had the wedding venue set up over there. And I was like, you know what that is? That's a waste of fucking money. Mm-hmm. Weddings and funerals are the two biggest waste of money in this country. We're driving to Nebraska, and I saw a sign in Oklahoma City, and it said, cremations for $7.99. Ooh. I thought, hell, that's cheap. $799? $799. Or a casket funeral for twenty one ninety nine might right. be putting your ass in the ground in cardboard. Right, but to me that's good money. Yeah. That's the best deal going. I do not understand people that pay fifteen and twenty thousand dollars for a casket. That's insane. I don't give a fuck how much money you got. Give that money to charity. Give it to your grandkids. Let them do whatever the fuck they want with it. <laughs> They're gonna that, throw dirt on it. Fuck yeah, it's, real. Going, it's going under. There is nobody. Have you ever drove by a cemetery and said, "Boy, I bet his fucking casket six foot down looks good"? No, never. Nobody cares. Now the nice, tall, big ones that have buildings around them. I mean, right. those are kind of cool. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? At least you have your own little shrine. And mm-hmm. we 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 were in Terrytown, New York, uh, a Sleepy Hollow, New York, and we went to the. Michelle, every fall we go somewhere, she takes pictures of leaves. We always go to old cemeteries. Mm-hmm. At Terrytown, the Rockefellers are building, and they got these big fucking granite buildings as big as your house. Oh, I bet. Where they're buried and shit. And I thought, that's fucking cheesy. Just a waste of money. Yeah. And they say now the Mexican drug cartels, all them guys, mm-hmm. they build these fucking 10 and 15,000 square foot homes on top of where they put them at. That's insane. Yeah. It's called an shit. obelisk, right? A what? An obelisk. Is that what it's called? The thing that they're buried in? I think it's called a mausoleum. Uh, oh, obelisk is like a, it's like Bunker Hills and obelisk. Oh, I think. So what about you? Do you want to get cremated or actual buried? I used to want to be buried because I was always scared of fire and drowning. I love water. Yeah. I love water. So I never, I, but claustrophobic and drowning has always bothered me for some mm-hmm. reason. And fire. Yeah. I don't want to get fucking caught in a fire. Burning. That's Man, the biggest brutal. thing. So I never wanted to, but as I've gotten older and my dad was cremated, fuck, I ain't going to be there anyways. What's the matter? It's cheap. Plus I would rather take my ashes and spread them out. We, we travel a lot. I want my wife and her new husband or whoever the fuck he is or whatever it is. <laughs> she turns into lesbian, whatever. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Take me and throw my ashes wherever you go to see because I'd like to, I like to, I want to, I would like my ashes everywhere. But the reality is, them ashes aren't you either. Right. But, but <clears throat> so Jeff's dad, Ron, we were all really, really close to him. He's right. He's, that's his urn right there. So goose. it's like, oh, nice. He's in that goose. So that's very cool. For us, it's kind of, it's been nice because, He's still here in mm-hmm. a way, like not like Jeff said, he's not here here. Right. But like just knowing that, like every time we come to work, it's kind of like visiting at the at the cemetery, right? Because let's be honest, like I've got relatives that are in the fun- uh, that are in the cemetery. Also, I never go see them. Yeah, or I never go. I and I don't know. I don't know what that is. But I'm the same way, man. Um, my brother, who was actually in the service as well, he was in the military with me, and um, he passed away in 08, and he's buried right out there at um, Crestview, mm-hmm. and you know. For the first few years, I would go see him all the time, but you know, I I know that's not where he's at. That's right. where the, you know his shell, his body's there. But um, I've been, you know, I, I'm kind of hard on myself about it. I mean, I need to go see him, but I don't. But I know that he's not there. You know, his right. spirits around me. And um, but back to the cremation deal. My wife wants to be cremated, cremated, but when my brother died, we bought plots next to him because mm-hmm. he's. I think we bought like three plots for me, my mom, my dad, and then I think my wife. 
but uh, my wife wants to be cremated now, and so I'm. I've always wanted to be buried. I always thought cremation was kind of weird because I don't like fire, like you were saying. But now they have so many cool things you can do. You can put those ashes into rings. You can yeah, build yeah, yeah. tree. I mean, you can you He's know, in shotgun plant trees. shells also. Shotgun, Brian, anything, yeah. like anything. So it's amazing how many ashes you get from a from a six, yeah. from a six three, uh, two fifty pound guy. Yeah, I bet it's a lot. <laughs> Fuck it, my dad's ashes are in that urn. We spread them out in uh, Lake Huron, uh-huh. and Boss shot shells. We send them ashes. He sends like 10 cases of shells. That's Here's cool. Ron. I'm like, God dang. <laughs> we sent y'all way too much. Yeah. <laughs> we should have brought like a measuring cup and like should have just brought you this much around. Right? But, That's but, cool. Yeah, I mean, you can do anything with them. Yeah. yeah. I've got death row now because one of my best friends in the world died this last year and he worked for us and he died about two months ago. And I got, matter of fact, Cedar Run, I got his decoy today. It's a Gadwall decoy. Cool. Oh, yeah. is that that one in there? Yeah, it's oh. a Gadwall. And, and his, his ashes, are, I haven't got his ashes yet. And then on the mantle in there, there's a wood duck, Ed, that used to work for us. I put his decoy, and I put his I put his ashes in it today, and I'm going to have a shelf built, and I'm going to call it Death Row. And so they <laughs> nice. die. And, 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 and someone, I had some, I said that, that about a month ago on the podcast, and someone mailed me, that's terrible. It's just so insensitive bullshit. My fucking ashes are going to be in the same decoy on that same shelf one day. Hopefully, it's way, way down the road. But right. it, that's where my, I'm going to end up being also. Hell yeah. And then if the boys one day want to sell the whole place and get rid of everything they can. Right. That, that's a weird thing. And I was thinking about this the other day. Um, <clears throat> yeah, there's the mausoleum I was talking about. The yeah, Rock the Rockefeller Rock mausoleum. Lordy mercy. My uh, my grandma, her husband died. They've been in the same house for 30 years. So she ended up, a couple weeks ago, she moved to an apartment. And, like, she wasn't, she was kind of sad, but, like, it really hit me because it was, like, for 30 years, she'd gone to the same house, getting ready for Christmases, Thanksgiving, grandkids' weddings, grand, great-grandkids being born. She went to the same plot of land, pulled into the same driveway, and then at, how, how old is she, 70? How old is she? 73, 74, probably. And, like, she'll never go back to that house again. Yeah. Like, she's in an apartment now. And it's just like, that's, that's, but that's, and, and then I was thinking about, like, because my grandfather, he's a farmer, and, like, he's farming the same land that his dad did, and like none of his kids are gonna, because they've all gone and got different careers, and like none of them are gonna. So that's gonna be somebody else's land, and mm. you know, a short amount of time. But like, it's just weird to think about how many times throughout human history, families have like planted their flag right. on a house or a piece of land, and it's like two hundred years from now, somebody else is gonna be excited that they've got this same little bitty patch of dirt, right? That your family was excited about. Man, that's that's crazy too because, you know, I was never fortunate enough to actually you know have land and land is so expensive. Right. But, you know, like land that's been in the family and the family history and family tradition to get rid of that. You know, I've got a friend of mine that, you know, they've had twenty five hundred acres for over a hundred years. Yeah. You know, and I asked him before I was like, do you you know, are you going to sell that someday? And he's like, absolutely not. Right. We'll stay with it forever. But there's so many people that are willing to but just... But, like, his kids might not. Like, you know, you start getting grandkids and True. great-grandkids. It's like, by the time, you know, yeah. my great-grandfather bought that, like, by the time you get to my kids or right. my kids' kids, there's 40 of them or whatever. Yeah. So people, it's like... It's rough. You know, it's just... It's not feasible. Yeah. People lose a connection, too, to something because... Yeah. It wouldn't mean anything like, to my kids. They've right. never been out there. Like, right. my great-grandfather owned a bunch of land. Not a bunch of land. He owned, he owned some farms in Kansas. Mm-hmm. Well, through typical marriage, a step a stepmom along, you know, a hundred years ago, she left the 
the land to her kids and X'd out my dad's family. They didn't get any of it. And it was their dad's land. Right. You know, he married this lady, and then when she fucking rewrote the will after he died, and she left everything to her daughter instead of to, to my grandfather, whose grandpa, that was his, or his dad's place. Ooh. So, and, and that shit happens all the time. Right. But let's say they still had that land. There's a thousand acres in southeast Kansas. Well, I don't have no connection to that land. Right. I haven't been up there in 30 years hardly. But it still would be my great-grandfather's. So it would be Stanfield family land. Mm-hmm. Well, I wouldn't have a connection to it. I've got a cousin that lives there, so maybe he would take it over. But right. there's So if someone come to me and they said, hey, there's some oil guys out here want to buy this place. I'm going to give you $10 million for that 1,000 acres because it's right by a lake, and it's pretty worth a lot of money probably. Well, fuck yeah, let's sell that son of a bitch. Yeah. I don't have no connection to it. Situation I wouldn't pending. want it to do that, but but that happens all the time. Right. I knew a ranch in New Mexico that was like a 30,000 or 40,000-acre place, and it was up in the – one of the Gila Mountains or something, and a guy contacted me 25 years ago. I'd been in the hunt business a couple of years. He come to me and he's like, "Hey, listen, we got a chance we could lease the hunting on that. Like, I ain't in New Mexico to hunt, right?" He goes, "You come out here and see this. You get 10 elk tags. You can shoot 20 mule deer. You have turkeys. You got blah blah. blah. It's got a house on it. There's trout fishing. Blah blah blah." I was like, "Man, I, so we put the pen and paper together, and I could sublease the land out and sell it, and we could make a little bit of money on the deal. Right. He just kept pushing me and pushing me. I go, what is the deal? You could do the same thing. It's got to be a hunting outfitter to do it. And he goes, i got a friend of mine that knows you real well, and I trust you. I go, what's the big deal? He said, well, we get the we get the first right to buy it. And he goes, the grandkids don't want the property. They want nothing to do with it. Mm. I said, well, what's something like that worth? He said, well, they probably, let's say a million dollars. I don't remember all the details. I said, Fuck, I ain't got a million dollars. So the bank borrowed easy. He goes, we can sell water rights to the city of Las Cruces, New Mexico, and so-and-so, pay for itself in five years just on the water rights you mm. sell to them. Well, anyways, the family caught on to this. People that don't acquire that much shit usually are pretty sharp anyway. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> they figured out mm-hmm. they were out of Chicago. They figured out that what the land was worth, and they, they didn't end up leasing it all out. But in the contract he wrote up, we would have the first right to purchase it for the next 20 years or something. Well, right. they didn't buy that shit. But they nixed it quick. But those, those <laughs> they sold that property. Yeah, those kids didn't have any connection to that land. Mm. It was their great grandparents' land. It's a ranch they probably never even been to. Right. But you had talked about it, like you've been out here for thirty years and you've seen farms change hands lots and, of times. Like, but it's just when you think about like how proud that person was, like to scrape up enough of whatever resources they had to be able to get that land, and like all of their dreams and hopes and wishes had come true at that moment, and then like. You go far enough into time, and like that's somebody else's dream, right? And it's just time goes. Uh, time has just been a weird thing for me lately. Kids are getting a little bit older. Kids went back to school, so that's always Ooh. kind of a weird deal. Yes, happy to see them go, but then again, you're like, you know, this thing is not stopping yeah. at all for yeah, anybody. Man, we have expiration dates on us. Yeah, and as you yeah, get older, you like, realize it more. Like, yes, because like, when I went home, because I helped my grandmother move, and I went home, and I was like, like that's gonna be me one day, like. If it's not going to be me, it's going to be my wife. One of us is going to die first. Right. And it's like up until like our house that we're in now, we've done everything. It's our first house. We brought our kids home to it when they were babies, uh, dogs. We've had Christmases there. And it's just like one day, it's not going to be ours anymore. It's right. going to be somebody else's, hopefully. It doesn't you know, get blown away in a tornado. I got emotional at the wedding the other day. Right. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just, it's a weird thing. Time what? is. Time, time, and it, time marches on and it keeps going. And that song is true. And things that, you know, we've got a dog buried out there that I love to death, and hell, he died twenty years ago. But but even out here, like this will be somebody else's one day. It's sad to say. Like I don't know when that day is going to be. 
maybe my kids will sell it. Maybe it'll be their kids or Jeff might sell it tomorrow. I don't know. But it's like no. at some point, <laughs> this is not going to be ours. My, my dream you go is far, not going to be somebody else's dream. Well, if right. you go and far enough into, into the future, everything we've done out here is going to be gone. It's going to be somebody else's. Yeah. So enjoy, enjoy the moment while right. you can. Yep. And it, ha- it happens everywhere. We, I notice out here so much that, and this one really bothers me. I see them, they, they plow up these old homesteads here. Yeah. And they just make an extra two acres of land out of it. And I'm like, it had an old house in there. It had right. a tree so row and history. stuff. And, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking, you know, 70 years ago, even when I first started out here, there's some houses that people lived in now that have been just dilapidated. They just, I don't understand people. And you see this everywhere you go when you drive the country, you drive by and you, especially when you get up further north, you see this beautiful 3,000 square foot home with a, with a, basement in it that was grandma's home that's just sat there and instead of renting it out or doing anything they've just let it sit till the roof falls in yeah just let it deteriorate and i'm thinking you know why there it's worth more than that right you know i understand you not wanting to sell it rent it to somebody and keep it at least viable yeah when you you said you have a friend in rochester yes have you have you've gone through o'brien i'm assuming yes okay so like as you're going outside of o'brien right as you get to the south side of town It'll be like, like you'll know, because O'Brien's not but 100 yards long. Right. If you look on the right side of the road as you're going south, there's an old, big, two- or three-story house. I mean, it's a, a mansion for out here, and it's fallen in. It's been empty for as long as I can remember. When did Nobody was in it when you were out here in the early 90s, were they? No. Hell no, that thing had been set for 10 years before that. But, I mean, you just see this, and, like, I've talked to my grandparents about it, and they're like, it was immaculate back in the day. Yeah. And it just it's fallen in. But it's where we used to go uh, in high school to go, you know, they're supposed to be haunted or whatever. But yeah, it's one of those typical deals, though, that was probably about greed. The family mm-hmm. took off, went somewhere else. And we're not letting anybody live in our house. We'll go back there one time. We'll go back there. And it just set and set and set. And, you know, it eventually just falls in. And the sad thing is there's no reason at the time that they could have kept that. Right. You know, financially, someone else would have bought that or done something with it. Yeah. Best thing happened to it now would be burned down before somebody gets killed in the damn Yeah, thing. I don't think I don't. High school kids don't go in there anymore. Last when I was, I graduated in '06. My wife graduated in '08, and my Zach graduated in '11. And Zach said when he went in as a high school kid, like it was sketchy. Going upstairs, there's like two or three steps there that don't have steps anymore, and like it's. So I don't. I don't even think. I went in there with anymore. some uh, some pillars of our community one time. After a party one night, we went out there about midnight, <laughs> and I saw some pillars of our community, big school board guys at the time. Yeah. I saw one of them's wife go through the floor. Yeah. Oh, goodness. And I grabbed my wife. I said, let's get the hell out of here. Somebody gets fucking hurt. For real. But you go upstairs, and there's notes. There's handwritten notes all over the place. There's pictures of the family, and it's just like, somebody just... it literally, When my mom, my mom graduated in the 80s, and she remembers going in in high school, and she was like, it looked like somebody just left that house. There were clothes in the closet, dishes in the cupboards, furniture was still there. She was like, it was still pristine when I was in school. But it's just like somebody got up, all the memories they had, and just left. Did you see where um, the old insane asylum in Wichita Falls, how that guy bought it? The white one? Yeah, he bought it and turned it into his home. What? Yeah. I couldn't do that. Where they used to do like all kinds of weird Over by the white fair? Yep. I couldn't do that. Let me tell you about that. Yeah. In the 80s, we went in there one time. That was one of the most haunted places in Wichita Falls. That was a creepy... Wichita Falls has two creepy-ass places. That was one of them in the old Witch's Gate. Yes. Used to be the Witch's Gate was really... Um, but what's Witch's Gate? It's a. Would I find it if op- I look for it? Yeah, it's an optical illusion. What oh. it really is is if It'll you go to up, if you go to Hammond Road and you take a left on the dead end road that goes back and and they, I think they have it fenced off now. 
You used to drive in down there, but when you would come back, it was optical illusion. It looked like the gate was swinging shut on you. Oh, really? Yeah. There's a video on TikTok. I'm gonna try it. Me and a buddy of mine played a played a trick on some chicks one there one night. We we met these girls and they and they did not know us for at all. And we went out with us. We went to the movies and shit. We were out drinking, and me and him had decided that we were gonna fuck with these girls. <laughs> so what we did was we drove out to down that road and we started arguing about the radio. We were really getting like pissy acting. He wanted to listen to KLUR. I wanted to listen to QV103 or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Back and forth, just bannering and shit all the time. These girls did not know us. They had met us the night before. Yeah. And they were getting kind of <laughs> nervous. He's like, fuck you, change it. Oh, just pull over. I said, yeah, fuck you, pull over. So I pulled over and jumped out. I had a 22 pistol rolled revolver under my seat and I grabbed oh, it. God. And I, pu- I went pow, pow. And he fucking just rolled over. It wasn't one of this, <laughs> dramatic it was just rolled over lordy mercy got back in that truck and you know you got to go down the end of the road and turn around so this girls these girls are fucking scared to death and we had bought some california coolers that's how long ago i don't even know if you know what a california cooler was Is it, it was a the original cooler? it was original wine cooler and they had these little foil on top but they had pulp in the bottom they had orange and lime and uh-huh. you'd have to shake them a little bit and get the pulp up yeah it was the original before that was before bartles and james even so have, have you you've been inside the old the same asylum? Yeah, hold on just a minute. Let me oh, I'm sorry. Story. I thought you were done. So we drove to the end of the street, and these girls are fucking screaming. I mean, they're crying. They're, just take us home. Take us home. They just witnessed a murder, man. <laughs> they, are, they are sitting on the passenger side of my pickup, and they are sitting where half of a person would sit. They, I mean, I'm telling you, they're sitting in each other's laps, and they're scared. And I said, no, we're going to go to the movies and we're going to go to that party. Okay, okay, okay. I said, no, we're going to have fun. Oh, we're having, we're having fun. I said, well, drink up if you're having fun. And I'm telling you right now, I could hear these girls' teeth hitting these bottles while they were trying to drink. Oh they were shaking gosh, so bad. Oh, my gosh, what an ass, bro. So pulled up. He got up out of the ditch. They were not happy. That is crazy. They were pissed. Matter of fact, That's we, funny as hell, though. we went to McDonald's on Kemp Street, and uh, they went in to go to the bathroom. We never seen them again. <laughs> um, yes, I've been into that insane asylum years and years ago. You you were yeah years ago. Apparently, it's like really back in the day. It was really haunted. Like, it, was it was creepy. Yeah. How could you make that your house though? Yeah, he lives in there, man. It's it's a big building too. Like, yeah, it's ten thousand square foot building. It's huge. Isn't it, yeah. Like I mean, just thinking about all the crap that went down in there. Like, mm-hmm. of course, it's got spirits that are yep. like, the, not ready to leave. There used to be an old orphanage over. Do you know where uh, Bonham Elementary was? Mm-hmm. On Armory Road, they built another orphanage there, and I can't remember the name of it. But on the other side of that, there was an old uh, county farm, and there's an old cemetery there. Behind Bonham Elementary, there's an old, old county. I guess it was the the Indigent. That's where they buried all the Indigent people in Wichita Falls. Mm -hmm. And there was an old home there. Oh, wow. And it was an old orphanage back in the day, and it's supposed to be creepy as shit. When I was was growing up, so I would have probably fifth, sixth, seventh, so probably 1978, 77, 78 in that time. That's where the haunted house was, was that old county farm mm-hmm. building. And that was a creepy freaking old building. Yeah. And they had some outbuildings, and they would have horror movies and stuff. Like, you'd pay 10 bucks to get in the gate or five, and you'd get to go in the haunted house, and you could go, and they'd have all these old horror movies from the, you know, the 60s and 70s. Right. just chopping heads off and blood everywhere. That's cool. And, but it was a different time. Yeah. A buddy of mine that I, when I was stationed up in Alaska um, – Mike, he actually has a show with the Travel Channel, and he's um, he got me into kind of ghost hunting when we were up there, and I thought he was kind of weird at first, man. I was like, because I believe in ghosts and I believe in spirits, but um, you know, we worked together. He's a civilian, and um, we started doing like he would bring his his gear to work, 
all of his, what do they call them, um, that can hear the spirits through something grounds. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking like about. Like the voice boxes. Yeah, the voice deal. box. The yeah, voice and we box. would set up cameras because we, like we were in an old building, like on, <clears throat> on um, Fort Richardson, Alaska. I think the building was built in like 1950. And I mean, it was, it was pretty old, maybe even, maybe even um, older than that. But yeah, man, he got me into it and he actually blew up. Like he's, he's on the travel channel now and he's doing really well. But yeah, I, that, that that was kind of crazy though. I'm getting a little bit of goosebumps thinking I, about it. I am not in on the ghost shit. I yeah. believe in ghosts. Remember, yeah. we got a lady gonna be on this week that's into all this stuff. She's gonna talk about a lot of it. And I am not into that shit because it gives me the heebie-jeebies. Like, yeah. I don't mind going to see Friday the Thirteenth the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, get a chainsaw and rip your heart out or something. I can handle that shit. Right. Stuff that's but, obviously yes, fake. Right. But the conjuring and shit like that. Yeah. Uh uh-uh, Hell no. You're just opening up a can of worms. Same. There. Same. Um, okay, so I found the video. We were talking about stuff that people have lost. So this guy, he's on TikTok and he uh, he collects rare books. And I don't know where he's out of, but like he's got he's got like original copies of. Anyway, he's a really really interesting dude. But he got an old World War One Bible. Oh wow! And um, from a soldier that was stationed over there, and you know, thumbing through it, and he found this at the family treasures that are lost. Because when people sell books or give them away, they don't look inside. And that was the case with this family Bible. This letter was left inside, but it is spectacular, the contents. Spectacular. It is actually a letter written during World War One, One from the trenches on the day after Christmas. This is what the letter says. The war had just started the summer before, so it's the first Christmas. On Christmas Eve at about four o'clock, our guns were shelling the German trenches, but then stopped and a little rifle fire was kept up until about five when it became dark. Now this is when the Germans are fighting the English in the trenches in France. And when the shooting stopped, we began to sing carols and songs and the Germans began to do the same and after a bit we put candles and lights on top of the trenches to cheer things up a bit and carried on a sort of maybe conversation with the enemy as things seems to be going very well we thought we may as well get on top so four of us got out on top of the parapet and struck matches which was received by a cheer from the other side and so we all got out and we held a concert and dance out in the open And after this, a few of us thought it would be just as well to shake hands and exchange cigarettes, et cetera, with them. So we called them out and met a few of them halfway between the trenches. And they were jolly good sports, too. And on Christmas Day, we had a football out in front of the trenches and asked the Germans to send a team to play us. But either they thought the ground was too hard because it had been freezing all night or their officers told them they couldn't. Anyhow, we had a chat that afternoon and one of them produced a camera. And so we had a group photo, and there were 12 of us and 12 of the Germans. And we had Christmas dinner, and it wasn't the greatest, but it did consist of sausages, biscuits, and chocolates. And speaking of chocolate, it was awfully good of you to send that chocolate, which arrived safely and went down very well. And reflecting on it, Christmas Day in the trenches was a sort of ragtime war affair. And I think about the funniest thing I've ever struck. If you imagine by any chance that we had a rotten Christmas, I can assure you, that you were very much mistaken. This is a treasure 
that some family in England left inside of this family Bible when it was sold. I will have more of these stories next time. I've, I've wow. heard that. I've heard that story before. Wow. Not not his story, right. but I've heard that, that, that on Christmas Day. That that's insane because that was war as hell. You've been there. We've never been to war. I've, I'm not gonna pretend I've ever been. I've never been in a situation like that. So I don't care if you're in Iraq, Iran, Pearl Harbor, the Philippines, wherever yeah. you're at. That trench warfare had to be one of the most rotten and miserable wars of, of time. One hundred percent. They were built different. I mean, one hundred percent. Were they fighting fifty yards away, a hundred yards oh, away? Man. Yeah, it's just a terrible, terrible. And and, and, no, and then knowing like December twenty seventh or whatever, like we're back at it. That is so crazy. War is horrible because it's a bunch of fucking politicians mm-hmm. playing with someone else's lives. And the older I get, the more I realize. That. I don't know about back. I don't know if World War One and World War Two are like. I really think I don't know. You might be able to speak a little bit more on this. World War Two. We got we got drug in because of Pearl Harbor. We did we did our damnedest to stay out of the European theater for a long time. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for the United States of America, everyone in France would still be speaking German. Don't give a shit who you are. Yep. It's a fucking truth. France is the the world's greatest at losing fucking shit. <laughs> We've kept their ass out of the deal, not being a smart ass, but that's a fucking truth. Yeah. World War Two, we had no we had we had to defend ourselves after what Japan did to us. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of escalated into World War. But that's when the war machine was brought up, and that's when it started. Since that day, we have never had a fucking war that we weren't dragged into by a shitty politician. Yeah, Korea, Vietnam, Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, everyone is about making someone else a lot of fucking money. Same was going on in Ukraine today. Yeah. So unfortunate, man. Especially, you know, especially the thing with Afghanistan. Um, hmm. It was a... Uh, yeah, so many lives lost for nothing. For nothing at all, absolutely zero for nothing. And to pull out like that, and man, where all this, did you serve at? I've been so combat. I've been to Iraq a few times. I've been in Kuwait. Um, I've never been to Afghanistan. Thank goodness. I wanted to go, um, but you know, I've been pretty blessed. I didn't never make it to Afghanistan, but um, I was in Iraq from '07 to '09 for 15 months. Um, came back, and yeah, it was a uh, that was a, I was young too. I think I was 20, 22 at the time. Oh. Leaving, going to war. The, those battles like that, we've, we're not, we're not fighting for a cause. We got all these stupid rules and shit. Just let them fucking, if you want to, we're over there. Let's fucking go clean the fucking slate and let's yeah. go home. Do it tomorrow. That's what, we, that you know, the World War II's last war that we did. And what do we do? We won that motherfucker. I, like, right. To me, and like Jeff said, I've never served, but I can't wrap my head around rules of engagement. Yeah. And that's like, where if we're in a fight, if we're in a dog fight and we're here to win, let's fucking win however we got to win. And like, don't wait for him to shoot at me first. And that's what they tell us. Yeah. And that's what's so crazy. Wait until you're it. engaged upon. Yeah. That's the do dumbest anything. shit ever. It's like going to a football game. And this, and it's not even a close analogy. I'm just using this as an analogy, and I know it's completely different. But you're playing in a fight. Let's just sit back and let them do what they want to do. Then after that, we'll try to score a touchdown. Maybe 100%. or maybe try to fuck that shit. You're fucking in a war. Yep. Go win the motherfucker. Go go take them. In Korea, Korean War wouldn't have lasted a bit about this long if we'd mm-hmm. have done what we wanted to do. Yep. But they wouldn't let them do it. Let's stop that parallel. No, fuck that shit. Drive the motherfuckers back to Moscow. If we're gonna be in war, let's do this the right way. Now we're talking about selection times coming. So mm-hmm. term limits, gay yeah. marriage, abortion. Now it's gonna be we're gonna withdraw all the troops out of the Middle East. 
you know what? I'm fine with that shit. I really am. Let's pull all of our shit over there. Let's never go back again. Let's not buy a fucking barrel of oil from them cocksuckers. Let's don't do shit. Let them all fight each other. I, I think there's a solution. I say we give every country in the Middle East nuclear weapons that shoot two miles. <laughs> They'll blow them fuckers, some bitches, all up to hell. There won't be nothing left. Let them have it to themselves. Yeah, man, and it's crazy, like, especially in today's military, like, I tell people all the time, I'm so, so thankful and blessed that I'm almost done. You know, I got nine months to retirement. And, I mean, the military has taken such great care of me and my family. You know, I'll retire at 20 years. I'll be 40 years old. And, right. um, you know, I've, you know, started a new chapter of life um, now that I'm healthy physically and mentally by the grace of God. But, um, man, our military today is basically a civilian workforce in uniform. Right. And, you know, um, if we were to go to war right now, we're, we're going to be in bad shape because these, these soldiers, these Marines, these airmen – that they're bringing into the service aren't ready or trained or prepared for war. We it would is, do good at pushing buttons it and is technologi so, technology. It is so politically driven, man, yep. that, you know, the power of non-commissioned officers, the power of officers, like, it's, I mean, in 20 years, the amount that it's changed to where I am just, like I said, I'm grateful for it. I love it. You know, I came in at a time of war to fight for my country, but, man, I'm so ready to go on to bigger and better things. Like, it's just, it's it's pathetic. It's even even back in the day of World War II, you think about this, and I'm sure it happened in World War One. but you'd be in combat and you'd be in a in a platoon and they'd send in some kid that just got out of West Point or the Air Force Academy. He ain't got no fucking military experience right. other than sitting in a classroom. You know, we don't have a lot of grunts anymore, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but I want a bunch of grunt guys. If I get in a fight, that's who I want fighting for me. I don't want some fucker that graduated from the Air Force Academy that ain't got no, that never has done it, been in through anything. And I think most of your guys that go to the academies will tell you the same thing. They want some men that can fight. 100%. And, and, and I don't know that we'll have a, I don't think we'll ever get into a battle, a combat battle, a big strung out war because we can push buttons and do so much shit nowadays. Yeah. I mean, th there's always going to be boots on the ground, no matter what battle we're in. But right. You know, with you got air defense artillery, you got field artillery, and especially with Russia, you know, I mean, that's what you know. We're we're sending so many air defense artillery battalions over there right now, but um, the actual hand to hand fighting combat, yeah, you know, you're not you don't see a whole lot of that anymore. And the reason for that too goes back to the rules of engagement, right? Like, it's no, I don't want to get started on that. Imagine the battle of the bulge, guys. <laughs> I don't want to get started on that. Imagine the battle of the bulge, guys, having to wait for them to shoot at them. Yeah, because they they, they they want us to play by the rules, right. but the enemy doesn't have. They're to. Not, they don't have like, any like rules. how does that how is that even fair? Right, you gotta you gotta play by these certain set of rules, but the enemy doesn't. But who made those rules so why, up? So why are you giving them an advantage? Do you want to win or do you not want to yeah. win? Right? Who, but who made the rules up? Politicians. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. And them motherfuckers don't have no clue. One hundred percent. Let me ask you a question. You don't have to answer it because it's gonna be a tough one though. Ukraine deal. Mm -hmm. I think it's nothing but money laundering. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's nothing about that but laundering money. There's no reason to have spent them billions and billions and billions of fucking dollars. Well, I mean, we just found out that Hunter Biden is tied to Ukraine yes. and China. I I personally, this may sound bad, I don't give two <clears throat> fucks about Ukraine. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I feel sorry for the innocent people that are there. True. I feel terrible. I also feel sorry for the innocent Russian civilians that live there. Yeah. Both sides. But you've seen the videos coming out of Kaviv. I don't think I don't think there's they're I partying. Think it, it's a money there's, deal. There's one hundred percent. And and I'm gonna say something else that's probably gonna piss some people off, but I don't care. I don't know Putin's the bad guy on this deal. You might have a hard time convincing me that Putin's a bad guy here. And I, I understand you can't probably talk about exactly. that. <laughs> in nine months I'll answer that question for you. <laughs> and you're gonna answer <laughs> I, I, you're gonna answer exactly what I think you're probably gonna answer it. Yes, sir. And I think most people feel that way. Yeah. 
I think Ukraine is nothing more than a distraction from child sex trafficking and money laundering. Isn't That's it, it. Isn't it funny how the agenda tra- changes all the time? Mm-hmm. Whenever whenever things starts, whenever you know important issues start getting brought up. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, let's 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 throw this war in there to, to pay to get the attention. Exactly, and that's all this is about. One hundred percent. And we all know it, but American citizens are fucking sheep. We're the biggest pussies in the world. We make the Frenchmen look like fucking the biggest bald <laughs> bitches in the world because we put up with this shit all the time. Yeah. We let them fuckers, and it ain't just a Democratic deal. Mm-hmm. I'm not a Democrat by any means at all, and I'm not much of a Republican either. I'm a Donald Trump guy because I think he actually cares about America. Yeah. But we let both sides play us like fucking fools all mm-hmm. the time, and it's- we've continued to do that forever. And what gets me is the generals in our military are big a bunch of fucking pussy sellouts too. Where's the real military end? Is it about a captain or a major where you where you lose it and it's all politics after that? I think after um, captain and you go into major and then lieutenant colonel. Um, well, you know, I guess it just depends. But I know, you know, as a company commander, as a you know a, a commander of a full company, um, you're you're for your troops, you're for you're for the mission, and then you know after company commander, you go to you know major if you're at a battalion or whatnot. And then Lieutenant Colonel even is, I don't know. You start losing it somewhere. You do. Oh, 100%. And they, they quit 100%. doing what's best for their troops. Yeah. Well, but but that's also, that that's a difficult line to toe, isn't it? Because when you when you have your company and you're in charge of them, you're only worried about their safety. Whereas you start going up in the ranks and like, then you got to start looking at bigger pictures. Yep. Right. One hundred percent. So, so that's a company, a, tough a company like, for instance, the company that I'm in now, um, my commander is probably in charge of, let's just say, 70 to 80 soldiers. Right. And then after that, mm-hmm. he'll go to battalion commander and then they've got like 200. Mm-hmm. And then you go to brigade and then you're looking at 500 plus. And then after that's whenever you start getting into the the hierarchy of political, you know, working for the, the Pentagon and things like that. But but you had guys like Admiral Nimitz. He was for his people, you know. Patton was a crazy motherfucker. Yeah. And he didn't want to fucking lose at anything. And the whole unit, the whole world would be red, white, and blue if he'd have been in fucking 100%. charge. There's no doubt about it. He was going to go through and tear somebody's ass up. Yeah. We don't have guys like that no, no more at all. None of these guys up there that they, they talk, you know, woke, woke military. I'd be laughing my ass off if I lived in another country. And they, it's okay, wear high heels and pumps. <laughs> Man, let me tell you something. Let me tell you a story. So the transgender thing came about, I want to say, Four or five years ago, I think, to where we have to go through mandatory transgender training now in the military. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus and um, why? <laughs> because we can't hurt anybody's feelings. Everybody's got to be equal. And so, you know, the other day, you know, I work out at the fires gym there on Fort Sill, and the craziest thing happens. I walk into the men's locker room after I get a workout in, and I walk in, and there is a, I'm guessing, female, but she had her shirt off and two large female breasts mm-hmm. in the men's locker room. Oh, nice tits nice are not good ones. <laughs> they were decent. Okay. Yeah, they were decent. But like I had to double take because I literally thought that I was like in the wrong spot <laughs> that or I was like, am I, am I, did I just see that? And I wasn't being a creep, right. but I had to like double take to be like, right. What's going on? Am I in the right spot? There is a female in the men's locker room naked because she identifies as a man. Like, Nine months. Nine months. But see, that's absolutely fucking crazy. I watch I, I watch a lot of old t- TV because I don't like anything new on TV hardly at all. I like yeah. old movies. 
I mean, I, and I'm not talking just military movies. I'm talking about like I'll watch Gator or some shit from the 73, 74. Mm-hmm. I love because I like seeing old things and how they were and just how simple life was. Right. And I watch old movies. And none of this shit going on today would even – there's no way in hell people would have thought much of it back then. Mm-mm. I mean, there's just, they would have been like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You know, I can't imagine an old, old general back in the day hearing about this chick shining there. You know what he's going to say? So she can get her ass fucked off if she don't know what she's doing. <laughs> Am I right? That's yeah. exactly what someone would have said. Yeah, you know, and but, and if it happened, damn, what's she doing? Taking her fucking clothes off a bunch, bunch of soldiers. Yeah, I mean, but nowadays we're supposed to bend up, and it's people like fucking Obama and them that think this is okay, or that sellout George Bush. They think this is good. It's not good. There's nothing good about it at all. I, there's a place for women and there's a place for men. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit if you're a woman and you want to be a truck driver. You want to be a fighter pilot. I don't care what you do. I'm not a sexist at all on that shit. Right. At all. Do whatever you think you can do. But you're a woman. You're not as strong as a man. You're not as tough as a man. hate to tell you this, but that's the truth. If you go to battle and you've got a 140-pound woman and she's Ronda Rousey and she's a tough bitch, but she's got to go fight a guy from from Russia and he weighs 190 pounds, he's going to whip her ass with the same training. Yeah. It's just they're different people. Yeah. But that's acceptable. That's great. Now, if you'd have went in the women's locker room, what would happen oh, to you? Oh, man. I would have had a sexual harassment charge yes. all over me. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, arrested, retirement taken. But for just going in the, the, the locker room. Mm-hmm. What if you'd have pulled and said, I identify as a, as a woman now? Mm. I don't know. I'm not, not, not going to go there. You, you <laughs> said, have you seen the movie that... I, I, um, what's the guy's name that plays on King of Queens? The dickhead. Kevin James. Kevin James. Kevin James. Yeah. Kevin James and Adam Sandler did a movie where they were Bob and Larry or somebody. I now pronounce you Chuck no, and Larry. Chuck and Chuck Larry. And Larry. Yeah. yeah. And they fucking had to get married yeah. because of the insurance deal. Right. It was fucking hilarious yeah. now. Yeah. If you made that movie nowadays, they would fucking shut that off because oh, it yeah. would hurt somebody's feelings. Yeah. And it was a great show. It was it's funny. It's crazy. And, you know, back to what you were saying is, you know, we're, you sign the dotted line to go and fight your nation's wars. Right. right. You, you, you don't go to the military. Well, Back in the day, now you now they're going just for college and this and that. But you know, whenever you go to the military, you're signing your life away to go fight for your country. And you know, you're they're supposed to build us into not I don't want to say killing machines, but train for combat. What your life is about. And so, I mean, just the it's insane the political correctness that that's why I was saying earlier, man. Like we're gonna be we're gonna be in, in bad spot if we have to go put boots on the ground because I'm telling you right now. I'm going AWOL. If they're going to send me with a bunch of these guys right, <laughs> right now, I'll be like, I ain't going with you. Right. I would call some of my buddies in that I used to serve with that I've been to combat with. Hey, let's go. But Matt, most of these troops these days, man, they're not ready for you, it. Uh, you go to these other countries, and, and and I saw a deal, and they were talking about Sweden's GDP or Netherlands or somewhere. Like, they only spend 2% of their deal on the military. Yeah, because they know if something happens, the United States of fucking America is yep. going to take up for them. Yep. That's what all of Russia's, or the European, the whole theater, the whole European group over there, same way they know the United States has their back. Yep. You know? Well, the, you know, the, the people there, their taxes are this. Yeah, because they don't spend money on their military. Well, they'd you be know? surprised. That, that, the, but that's because the United States has their ass. Yeah. We protect them. Right. Every one of them. The whole world depends on the United States, be it's police force. Well, that, and we got a bunch of fucking dipshits running it now that couldn't protect shit. But, like, that's all, that's basically all NATO countries, isn't it? Like, yes. I'm looking at them here. It's I bet the United UK, States, UK, UK. I'll pull this up. What's the percentage? Because that's what Trump said. He said, we're fucking going to out of this shit. We need Trump back bad. And his idea was right. You know, if you don't want to pay your fair share, then we're not protecting your ass. I, I agree. It goes 100%. to percentage of your GTB or GDB. Like Luxembourg, little old fucking country. Well, their GDB is small, so they're, but, the, but you want you to have your ass protected, you got to pay something. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, you might not. It's kind of hard to see. Three point six percent of our GDP by the United States we pay. And then you get down here to Luxembourg, like you said. I don't know what that. I don't know what that two eighty eight is by Luxembourg. That's the billions of dollars that their GDP is worth percentage. Of, I don't. I can't read. That's the in top millions. Line. That's in millions. So two hundred ninety eight million dollars. But th- but they're supposed to all pay the same percentage. Mm-hmm. Like the percentage is th- whatever the U.S. pays three point six. Yeah. Every one of them is supposed to pay three point six. <laughs> Look at our Canadian buddies right there, boy. They're right in the middle of it. They're paying one point one. One point one. Twenty one mil or wouldn't that be twenty one million or would that be two billion? I'm sure it's. I'm sure that's two billion dollars. Is there G- another GDP's got to be higher than two billion dollars? That says in millions up here, right there. It's hard to see. Yeah, in 2017, that's what it was. In millions. In millions. So is that yep. 21 million? No. Like, are we pay? Are we paying 685 million to NATO? Probably so. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then that is right. So then yeah. Canada's playing 21 21 million. Okay. But you take the United That's States insane. and you put us at the same route they are. Well, they ought to just quit calling it fucking NATO and just call it the United States. For real. Because that's the ones paying for all the bills. Yeah. But <clears throat> during World War II, there was an equal share of forces. Nobody got hit harder. You know what country? I'm going to ask you all this trivia question. Which country lost the most soldiers in World War II? Russia. No, that was... Um. Russia. It is right because I thought because Russia Kennedy, and China was second. Kennedy, who I am, I'm I'm a big Kennedy guy. I'm sure he's going to put his pecker in his foot or his foot. He kind of did on his <laughs> abortion. I've not heard that uh, until I hear it from his mouth. Okay, but yes, um, I read an article that said he was for late term abortion, which I am not. But be that as it may, um, he said. Basically, Russia was decimated from what would be New York to Chicago, mm. a wasteland. And he was like, you know, how would we feel if, if that happened in America and we lost all of these kids? Like, we might have some of the same thoughts that Russia has. 100%. I think they lost 20 million people, I think. I can't remember, but China I China was second. The only thing we've ever experienced like that was 9-11. Yeah. Right. You know Very I mean? small portion. Yeah. Now, I mean, you, you take... You, you take the family in 1955 who got the the letter, or the guy comes in the old, you know, if you saw that fucking star in that car and he come pulling up, you fucking threw up on yourself because mm-hmm. you knew your kid got passed away. Yeah. Would we lose half a million people during World War II, maybe? Yeah. I mean, that was terrible. Yeah. Terrible, 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 terrible. But we didn't do nothing like what happened over there. 26.6 million Russians died in, in World War II. 26.6 million. That is New York City and Chicago together. The whole thing gone. Those two towns. Complete, the city's completely gone it all the way. Nobody crazy. there. What do the United States lose? A half million? I can find it. I just had read something on it there. I was reading a book and they were talking about how the deaths and just. I think we lost more than France did. Yeah, right at about half a million. What does it say what France lost? Uh, UK lost more than us. So according to this, we lost 418,000. The UK lost four fifty, uh, Yugoslavia a million, but it's not giving me France. I can look at it. How many? How many do we lose in Afghanistan? Twenty thousand. We looked at I that. Was thinking like more. We looked at that the other or twenty. It said France lost over a half a million people. Um, in Afghanistan, 
Imagine if America would have turned its back on England. If it wasn't for England, we wouldn't have been in the middle of that stuff. Yeah. Turned our back on England and the whole thing let it go like that. German, the whole place would still be Germany. Mm-hmm. That can't be right. What is it? This says 2,400 people, but that's... And where? Know. Afghanistan? In the war in Afghanistan from no, 2000. It's, that. That's way yeah, more than that. It's 20-something. I thought it was 20,000 yeah. people somewhere around there. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, right here it says right at 20,000. 2,713. So, a little under 21,000. Mm. But still, I mean, that's... That's a lot of kids. Fighting Bush's war. That's a lot of families. That Weapons of mass destruction. Yep. And I'm going to be honest with yeah, you. Right? I was 100% with Bush on all that shit until about 20, about two thousand, or about 206, about 2006. I kind of, because I remember me, Bat Dad, and Tony got some pretty good heated arguments in this office. I was like, fucking bring everybody home. I said, this is a bullshit deal. We're fighting a fucking stupid ass war. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm fucking out on George Bush. And boy, my dad used to get mad all the time <laughs> at me. I'm, I'm telling you right now. It's fagazi as shit around there. Yeah. We're fighting a war we don't need to be fighting. Let's yeah. bring everybody home. I would not have done it the way fucking Biden done it. I'd have brought everybody home, but I'd have burned. I'd have torched the whole every fucking thing we had over there, and I'd do it today. Yeah. Syria, Iraq, Iran, blah blah blah. Let them have it. Yeah. But kill up, blow up all of our equipment. Don't leave nothing there, and get my shit and bring everybody home. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is all the people that have helped us over there that are allies. Yeah. You're turning back. I would like to know the percentage, and it would make us all sick to the people that helped us in Afghanistan that have been left over there, how many of them are still alive. Yeah, They've tortured and killed every one of those people. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Hmm. Um, but hmm. what, how, what is a good way of pulling out? I mean, because, like, you know, you're, you look at something, you're like, well, we've been over there for a decade. Shit, we've been over there since 1980 no, when I, the I, Russians were fighting. Right, yeah. I understand that. But, like... You get to 2011, 2000. and it's like, well, we've been over since 2001. Like, you hate for all that to kind of be for not. I don't. Right. You can't change the mindset of those people. Those people hate Christians. Newsflash: There, if the people don't realize that, Muslims don't like Christians. Yeah. You may have a nice mosque on your corner, you think, but down below, they're thinking about blowing your fucking ass up. Yep. That is the way that religion is. They don't. Well, they're savages. That they, 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 they that's their they whole are. way of doing. It. People get all upset over that shit. There are some nice... I have a Muslim guys that hunt with me every year that own a bunch of fucking convenience stores in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Super nice guy. Yeah. But I wouldn't want to fucking have him with the AR-15 behind my back. Right. Just don't happen. it. AK-47. Whatever the fuck he's going to well, they, they have. Well, now they got a bunch of ARs. Oh, they do? But what well, Afghanistan, we yeah. have so much, oh, yeah. right. so much equipment back but, there, man. Like, But I don't trust them. The yeah. whole... Yeah. That whole religion, I don't trust. Yeah. You know? I don't now when I see them, I don't want to go blow them up or nothing. I don't have that. I don't hate them. I just don't trust them, man. I feel but they like, want to do that to me. Yeah. You mean what's funny is, is they, the, the Democrats jump on, Oh, we got to be there for the Muslims. They're the same ones that throwing gay people off the buildings in Fallujah, you know? Yep. So which are the gay people with the Democrats? Or are they with the Muslims? Because that mix don't mix at all. Yeah. You know, you think you don't have equal rights here and you want a gay parade. You show me that gay parade in fucking Saudi Arabia. I need to bring, um, I'm actually, I'm, I'm going to fly a Marine down this uh, deer season. His name is Zach Finnecon. He's out of North Carolina. He uh, lost his arm in the Battle of Fallujah, and we're going to bring him down and put him on a hunt. And I'd like to uh, hear his take on it. He'd probably give you some uh, two cents on how he feels about the whole thing as well. Yeah. You know what and, I mean? And, and like It's 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 all those all the blood we've lost over there, yeah, all the man. young men we've had pass yeah. away and young ladies over there. Yep. Let them have the motherfucker. They've been fighting. Thomas Jefferson wrote a book. In 1780, 
85 or something, and he wrote an excerpt of his book. He talks about the Barbary Coast. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know what the Barbary Coast is. Barbary Coast is the same place they... I, I, I'm, I'm going to be off on the, where the, exactly the Barbary Coast is because it's not the same place in Somalia is. But it's somewhere on the African deal. And back then, they would fucking kidnap and take and haul, pillage and rape and shit. Yeah. Things haven't changed over there a bit. Yeah. They've just got newer shit. But they've been killing and massacring for years over there. Mm-hmm. It's not going to change. Let them fucking have that deal. Yeah. You know, let them sell oil to each other. You know, I've never been to Abu Dhabi, but I think it would be a pretty cool place to visit. Yeah. I would love to see the, the, where they built the islands and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that's amazing engineering and stuff. But they're one conflict away from the wrong print or the wrong prince being in charge. Yeah. They're funneling money to terrorists. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I know Qatar is nice. I got to go to Qatar in 2011. People stink. Beautiful. Do, Do they? they stink? <laughs> That's a yes. <laughs> I've heard it smells horrible. Some places. Yeah. 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 I had a buddy of mine that was on embassy duty over there. He worked for the, he worked for Black Rock, whoever the fuck it is. Mm-hmm. The And he was a CIA, I think he worked for the CIA basically as mm-hmm. a contractor after that. And he worked in the embassies in a couple of them places. He said, man, you see the most beautiful woman in the world walk by. And he said, oof. Mm-hmm. Smell like a goat's ass. He says terrible. <laughs> what what do they have like as far as like infrastructure over there? Like like over here, you got CVS. You know, you got play like women can buy soap. Well, they they can you know they can take care of themselves when that time of the month comes up. Do right. they have shit like that to get like tampons and feminine oh, hygiene products? Yeah, they. I mean, the bigger cities they have all kinds of <clears> shops um, that are still standing. Um, they they have you know it being in a third world country is different man yeah um you it makes you really appreciate living in America even though like it's not I'm not as proud to be an American as I used to be I'm always going to be proud but with the country and the way it's going it's you know what I mean it's yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of we are a laughing stock of the world I'm almost like hey let's move to like Australia or something I don't know I got to find do some... that either I don't think that there's any more <laughs> safe places because yeah. I used to be like you like Canada's fucked up Australia's fucked up now like. Alaska was cool. Maybe I'll just go back to Alaska. Just go back to Alaska yeah. and like just live, you know, off live the in the bush. Yeah. Nobody's gonna go that far. What's funny is the, for, the all the countries outside the world, their news agencies. No, we got fucked up, rigged up election. Everybody knows oh, it, yeah. except for the fucking people here. Yeah, and the, um, they know they do. No, they they know, but they don't right. talk about right. it. Right. But um, I can't remember where we were going back. So to you could there. buy soap and water and yeah, shit. yeah. They, they just have, don't use it. Do they have? Man, you don't ever shake their, the a man's right hand either. It's because he wipes his ass with his mm-hmm. hand. Yeah. I thought it was it was the left hand. Which hand? I know there's a hand, but that, and that might be China though, because I, we, I, we have a lot of friends that do business over in China, and like he he said, you meet these people and they bring you to dinner, but like when you go to their house, tables on the floor basically, you got yeah. pillows you sit on, and I think the left hand, he's like, I got one of the hands you never bring up above here. Yeah, I got to show y'all some pictures sometime, but um, I was with 89th and Peeper Gate out of Fort Hood when we went over there in 07, and. Um, one of the platoon, uh, platoon leaders, he was a really good friend of mine. And, you know, I was a young kid and, uh, he used to take me cause like we, we would go in bed with the uh, Iraqi police stations. Um, and so we would go to the Iraqi police stations, the commissioner's house, or, um, we would train the Iraqi police and the Iraqi army. And so I kind of like got VIP treatment when I would go with the platoon leader, man. And we'd go in there and they'd sit us down and they'd feed us all this, really good food i don't know if it was really good but, <laughs> but, hungry? but the falafel bread and their, and their goat and but we never ate the catfish or the fish out of the um tigris and euphrates 
because that was just disgusting. That's where everybody goes to the bathroom, right? Yes. It was just like, they were like, don't eat the fish. And I'm like, okay. But <laughs> I mean, they treated us like, you know, like kings, man. And it was really cool. But it was crazy because we'd be trading them one day. And then the next day, their, their day off, they're shooting at us. And so like, it was Why? just. Like, how's that work? Because they're Muslims. Well, they worked for, you know. Al-Qaeda at the time. Like, even though they're Iraqi army and Iraqi police officers, you couldn't trust anybody. Oh. You couldn't trust anybody. So even the guys you were over there training, they were probably going to flip. and 100%. Wow. Yeah. Their whole religion yeah. is to kill you. Yeah. You're the infidel. Yeah. And so we're, we're over there giving them all of our tactics and training techniques, and then, you know, on their day off, they're back using what we just trained them against us. See, that's a shit in World War II wouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. You'd have blown the motherfuckers up and been the yeah. end of it. And that's yeah, but we had, we had people over that like German soldiers, wouldn't we? Like, wouldn't we? And I don't think we were training them, but like we were using them as like. There's spies, always been there's right? always been a Benedict Arnold's in every group. We still have them, but right. the but thing that's is, what I'm trying to comprehend with how with that story is like. Well, we weren't they training were, German police officers, and then on the day off, they were oh, still fighting the deal. Right. I mean, it's, it's stupid fucking rules of engagement but, shit. But Just, when but whenever they're like, okay, you're going to train these people, is the assumption that they're on our side now? Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. But. And everybody knew it. that they're not. Yeah. And everybody knew it, but the fucking big brass in Washington, D.C. Oh, they knew it, too. But so they what, happens, they knew it too. what happens, like, it, you know, you're training them, and then a week later, you catch them on the battlefield. Like, how do y'all handle him we if put, you don't kill him? We put two in the heart and one in the mind. You do? Yep. Just like that? You we have we win the hearts and minds of the people. What did uh, <laughs> Two in the heart one in the mind. I'm going to ask something I've never asked anyone about over there. In World War II, everywhere, Vietnam... Korea, it was all normal deal. Whorehouses. You never hear about that in Iraq and Iran. <laughs> Do they not have them? I don't know, man. See, I, that's I, the answer. That's a no then, probably. I, I, yeah. I, I, well, I didn't. we never came across any. But if you talk to but any I'm soldier sure. that was in Vietnam. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, Korea. Yeah. And I'm well, sure. They, they, were, they, were, they had a little bit more, like, freedom to move around the cities and stuff. It wasn't, you know, um, like where, you know, in Iraq and Afghanistan, um, Every city's a, a major, major danger zone. Yeah, snipers you know I mean? and shit. Yeah, those so, people were happy most places you went there because right. you were freeing them from the oppression of right. the one hundred percent leadership. Whereas in Vietnam, you know, you had areas that were safer that guys were walking around without you know their firearms and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure there are. We uh, I know there's a lot in Germany. Yeah. We, <laughs> we we watched a documentary one time, and I can't remember if it was called Fallujah or not. But it was an actual Netflix documentary. It wasn't like actors. It was real. And they were with some guys. And they were up in they were in an old hotel, like an American hotel, the hotel zone or some shit. Mm-hmm. And they would go and they would try to take a block a day away, you know, try to get it back or, or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. But they were constantly under duress the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I thought, fuck, how could you live that way? I mean, you walk, you move around the corners, a kid, little kid brings up and he's got a goat and he's got a fucking vest on. Yeah. You know, and it's the shit all the fucking time, just a constant battle. Back to what I was saying, you know, the rules of engagement too. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's the crazy thing is, is at least with um, Russia and Ukraine, they're at least in uniform now. Right. Which isn't really kind of unheard of in today's, you know, battles, but at least you can somewhat identify the enemy. And of course they're spies and undercover or whatnot, but you know, like you're saying a kid, you know, even women, man, even women, like you just, you just don't know. It was, it's crazy. So how do you... Is there a maximum amount of time that you can spend over there? So back in the day, um, we were doing 15-month deployments. 15 months. Yeah. And I know... And that was 07. And I think back in 01, whenever the war first kicked off, um, a lot of guys were, were over there for a couple of years at a time. 
But then, you know, the DOD came in and said, hey, we're going to do 15 months. You can't do more than 15 months. And then you had what we call dwell time. So you get back from deployment and then you're going to have a year off before you have to go right back. And at that time, Fort Hood was a, a rapid deployment base. Mm-hmm. So thank goodness I got out of there. But, you know, a lot of my buddies, they ended up staying is they would go 15 months back for a year, back 15 months, back and back. I mean, they hit, you know, double digit deployments and, um, I was super thankful, you know, I mean, I wish I could have been there with them, but, um, you know, God has his plan for me and I guess that wasn't in my, uh, my plan, but, um, now, um, and then, so after the 15, they went to 12, you couldn't do more than 12, 15 was long. Yeah. 12 is long. And then now it's nine. So they, they're, they're dwindling down because that's a long time away and, you know, those situations are just so stressful. And then, you know, we can get to this later, but the suicide rate, you know, the, yeah. the, the mental drain, and especially with, the, you know, guys that have multiple, multiple rapid deployments. And that's what's kind of led us to the 22 soldiers a day taking their lives. Well, veterans. So, you know, and one thing that I've always wondered, and I've asked several guys, why we didn't see the PTSD in the guys that came back from like World War II. Mm-hmm. But what you just said kind of made more sense because... When they were in World War II, they were fighting other soldiers that were in uniform. Mm-hmm. When you were over there, you didn't know who the bad guy was because right. everybody looks the same. Right. You know, it's not, it's just a bunch of infidels, a bunch of savages running around. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for them, maybe the reason they didn't, and I'm sure they battled PTSD, but maybe the reason that we haven't heard about it is because they had a mission, they had, they had an enemy. And he was wearing a uniform mm-hmm. with you guys. You don't know who the enemy is over there. You imagine so Patton. if you don't know who the enemy is, everybody becomes the enemy. So in your one, mind, one town over there. We've been fighting in the same fucking towns for 10, 15, 20 years. You imagine if you if you come back to Patton today and said, "Listen, we've been fighting for this town for twenty years." You're like twenty fucking years. <laughs> you should have that some bitch taken off in eight hours. Mm-hmm. Because back in the day, we would have rolled through there and decimated everything and cleaned it up. And we'd been done with it. Yeah, but the war enemy, was war. but the enemy stood out. The enemy was easier right. to find in Patton's day. In but, Patton's war, no, the enemy's there. We just we were blind to them. We pretend they're not there. But back to the, uh, excuse me, um, back to the World War Two. They they had PTSD. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, it's just that you know back then, you didn't talk about it. Right. And and it's been like that in the military since then, probably until the last ten years. Because I know. In 08, um, I think it was 08 or 09. It was 09 um, when I had came back and I had lost one of my really good friends over there. And then my brother had died right after that. I, you know, I was a young kid. And, and so I was out of control, right? Um, I coped with alcohol and, you know, I didn't even know what depression was. I didn't even, of course, I knew what the word was, but I didn't know what depression was um, back then. And after being in Iraq, losing one of my very good friends, um, losing my brother, it just, it hit me and, you know, I was a basket case. So my wife, you know, she was like, you need to go get some help. And I was like, like with what? She was like, you need to go see a doctor. And I was like, okay. So I went to behavioral health, mental health, whatever you want to call it. And this, um, yeah, 09, for the first time I was diagnosed with PTSD, depression, anxiety. I mean, the whole kit and caboodle. And even in 09, like, that was held against me, you know, like, fear of reprisal, right? So I was passed for promotion in 2009. 
because my first sergeant said, oh, you're not mentally capable enough to, to take the next rank of staff sergeant. You know, you're going to behavioral health. Like, now, if they were to do that, they would be relieved of duty. Right. But back then, you know, 15 years ago, that was okay. It's the stigma, and thank goodness the military's gotten better at it, but they're still lacking in so many areas, man. Like, it's crazy. You know, we I'm sure during World War Two, there was as much PTSD there is percentage-wise, but nobody knew about it. Nobody that. talked about it. My my grandfathers both were at Pearl Harbor, and one of my grandpas would talk. My other grandpa, I don't remember him ever really talking about it. He was proud. He was in the Navy, mm-hmm. but never, ever, my fix on his tombstone, but never really mentioned much about it. My other grandfather um, would talk to me about stuff, and he told me about being on the boat, and he would tell me about crossing the equator and about all the shit they did, and he told me it's funny. He said, when you'd watch in a war movie, you got these guys on their uniforms. He said, if you was on a boat back then, everybody was running around their fucking skivvies. Mm-hmm. Fucking hot, you know? Mm-hmm. 110 degrees, no wind. And right. some folks were wearing their underwear. Yeah, or yeah. You just wore your underwear. And or jumped, suit. <laughs> they'd swim in the water and shit. Yeah. I mean, but uh, Michelle's grandfather, he was in, in uh, Europe and he was at the Battle of the Bulge and all that stuff. He had PTSD. He would scream at night and he had tremors. It was later, when, when he was closer to death. Or, well, well, even when she was little, home. but even when he was, but when, when she was little oh. before he went in a home, he had problems and issues with it because he never could escape that, you know. But you didn't talk about it. You just, well, you went on down the road. But Michelle said he was never, they always, you know, she didn't know him before he went to World War II. She wasn't even around. Mm-hmm. Hell, her mom wasn't here. But she said the people that knew him said he was completely different, which war would change anyone. 100%. You can't see that. Just like a paramedic or, or, or somebody like that, if you're around that trauma, that's what police always gets me when people give police a bad rap. That cop might have been an asshole on that traffic stop, but you don't know what he just fucking seen an hour before that. I think um, first responders don't get the credit they deserve, no. man. I was in when I was in Alaska. I went to another uh, PTSD treatment program. It was called Soldier's Heart, and the cool thing about that was it was not only veterans and military members, but it was also the Alaska Highway Patrol, the Alaska Police, the Alaska firefighters. And you know, I've always backed the blue, and I've always wanted to be a police officer. But um, you know, just hearing and you you know they go through stuff, but being in with a group of men and women for a week and hearing the stuff that they have to deal with on a daily, like, you know, they don't get the credit they deserve. You know, mil, you know, the military, yeah, we've, we've been at war. We're not really at war very much anymore. Um, but, you know, they, I think first responders are definitely underappreciated. And so what I want to do also is um, the Fallen Outdoors is only veteran-specific, but I have my own a little side LLC called Big Bears Wild Adventures, and I want to start doing some first responder hunts because, you know, I give back to veterans all day, every day. Um, and that's what our mission is at TFO. But, you know, I want to start doing some stuff for these guys because, man, they go through hell. Well, you've oh. heard the, yeah, it was this right here. So in Ohio, this guy right here shot his seven, four, and three-year-old sons execution mm. style in front of his mother. Cops had to respond to that. He's sitting on the front porch when they get there. Cops had to go to that call, and then they had to carry on with their day after that call. Mm-hmm. And there's three little boys, seven, four, and three, in the living room that he just shot the back of their heads off with a hunting rifle. Mm. And I think he spared, he did it in front of their mother, and I think he let the daughter live. But right. cops had to respond, and cops had to carry on with their day. Yeah, go to the next that. call. Just routine traffic stop. Yeah. Guy was an asshole to me because I ran a stop sign. He wrote me a ticket. Well, yeah. Yeah, because what he just seen. 
That's a shit that they go. Ambulance guy, same way. A paramedic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, paramedic, paramedic had to go make do that this. Call. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, then, then, and, and you wonder why them guys got have goosebumps. Yeah. yeah. They, they, but we <sighs> we have become that everybody expects them to be numb to this. And, and let's be let's be honest with you. You're an, a homicide detective in Dallas, Memphis, Chicago, yeah. wherever the fuck you are. You're dealing. If you if you're a, we'll go we'll south side of Chicago right now. That homicide guy right there deals with a young teen black man that is shot yep. every single day. It, not 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 once a week. Every day they have a young black man that gets shot every single day. He's got to deal with that shit. And then he goes home to his own family and he's coaching his kid, 14 years old, and he deals with his kids and their friends. And he's thinking every day that could be one of them. Mm-hmm. And they deal with shit like that all the time. Or you go to a wreck, like you said, with a five-year-old, a six-year-old, you have to deal with this shit. Every single day, and they wonder why cops are in bad moods, and, and they always want to ostracize the cops as being bad. And then when they don't deal with shit like this, they deal with somebody that lies to them. Yeah. How often do you think a cop gets lied to a day? <laughs> if he gets, if he goes on twenty calls a day, yeah. he's getting lied to at ten calls. Yeah, at Easy. least. Yes, at Easy. least. I bet it's more but than that, that. That goes back to the whole like stigma of behavioral health because I have several really close friends that are police officers, and I've talked to them before about that. And, you know, if, especially if you're a cop, if you tell your supervisor, hey, I've got some trauma. Yeah. I, I need to get help. Like, okay, well, guess what? We're putting you on the sidelines for a while. Right. Because, you know, we're, we're not going to let you do your job, but you love most because you're you're unstable. And that's that's why, you know, the military the same way. And that's why I've always, you know, since I've, I'm just trying to advocate for the stigma of men seeking mental health, seeking treatment, um, because it's so frowned upon, man. And, you don't even have to be in war or be a first responder to have it. Like, it's just back to the World War II. Those guys, man, they definitely had it. Mm-hmm. But if you were to bring it up, you were looked as weak. Right. You were looked at as weak. Like, oh, man. And back then, men were built different. They yep. were actual men. Yeah. We don't, we don't talk about our feelings. We just deal with it. And, you know, it's, it's, it's sad. And it, that was another thing is they didn't have the infrastructure. They didn't have. No, they didn't have any of they the had resources. No, when they got home, it yeah. was, you got a family, if you had a family and you've got like, you got to just carry on with life. Yeah. They had no resources whatsoever it's, to help them heal. It's a, it's a special person that can compart, car, compartmentalize. Compartmentalize. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> Bad things and store them on their mind and not, and not deal with it. Yeah. Like it takes a special guy to be an ambulance guy and go into a car wreck where a kid gets killed and to just go about it's you know, it's it, it's it's hard to do that for anybody. Yeah. But those people that done that every day and you there's not a soldier out there that didn't lose someone in battle with them that was in a battle. Like at World War Two, there wasn't a guy coming back from World War Two that didn't lose a friend. Yeah. But does anybody like did anybody ever tell you like how to pick up the pieces like with some of the stuff that you see? Like we've got uh, I do jujitsu, and the guy that runs our jujitsu class, he is a paramedic. He's been mm-hmm. a paramedic for 15, 20, 20 years or something yeah. like that. But that was, he recognized <clears throat> early that I need something. He's a black belt in jujitsu, and that's where he focused that part of his life. Yeah. And, you know, those type of individuals um, that I guess are self aware enough, um, you know, it took me, it took me a lot longer. Right. Um, but but what I'm asking is, is, is there any is there anything to where they're like, you're going to need something like is anybody telling you that as a 22 year old kid that's gone over there and seen some of that stuff? No, nothing. No. Um, 
you have very few leaders in the military that are for one self-aware enough to know that troops are, are struggling. Right. You know what I mean? And this, um, but you know, I've, I've, I've used my, uh, I don't know if you want to call it testimony, but my life to help a lot of these young kids. Um, cause I can recognize when someone's hurting, you can't always. Mm. And that's what comes back down. A lot of these guys suffer in silence, mm. you know, um, thank God that the military is now getting, I guess, more, um, not more aware, but they're, they're, they're making mental health more known. Mm. Right. And you're not, you know, you can't go for fear of reprisal. Like they're pushing it toward 10, you know, 10, 12 years ago, it was used against you. Um, and that's the thing too, with, with these veterans that have gotten out years ago. Um, I'm trying to spread the message and the awareness that if you're a veteran, you have so many resources to help you. Like you don't have to be retired as long as you're, you know, honorably discharged and you weren't kicked out for some being a dumbass. Like there's so many avenues of approach to help you. Yeah. But these guys don't know that. And so they're suffering in silence. And then guess what? They're, they're going to the bottle to cope. They're going to pills and then eventually taking their lives. And that's what, you know, is I'm so thankful that I've given this platform with the fallen outdoors to push this mission. Mm. And, you know, it, the hunting and the fishing is what we're based around. And which is awesome because, you know, being in the outdoors is therapeutic. Yep. It's 100% therapeutic. But I'm also focusing on connecting, foster relationships, and letting these guys know, hey, you're not alone. Right. Like, I mean, I've met, so my assistant lead, James Gromers, I met him on a hunt out in Judd, Texas, Memorial Day weekend. I did a uh, hawk hunt out there, and he was one of the uh, participants selected. And, I mean, he's like my brother now. Mm-hmm. And I've only known him for five, what, what, what was April? Since April. Yeah. And I mean, that's my dude, you know, and that's what it's about is, is get these veterans connected to other veterans and having someone to count on and then also helping them get the resources they need. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, the VA clinic here in Wichita Falls, man, let's go. I'll go pick you up. That's what it's about to me. And the hunting and fishing's uh, cool. It's, it's a perk. But for me, like I changed our little slogan to strength, healing and hope. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like that's what I'm focused on is helping these guys. Yeah. What, what do you feel about the one the 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 ones that take advantage of this situation. Like I'm trying to watch my words here because. <laughs> well, there's bad actors in every yes, thing that man. you do. You don't but, want to get me started on that. Because I was around a guy that had PTSD. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not one to say he didn't because I don't know. Right. But I was thinking he was full of shit. Yeah. He was just milking the system. There's a lot of Guys them. like that make it bad for the rest of the people. 100%. And it's. And you look like an ass if you call him out on anything. But he was full of shit about mm-hmm. everything. He all he wanted to do was drink beer and get an excuse to get a check every month. Yep, well, I see that all the time, man. And that, so you, I so see you, it all so the you, time. So you're not. The, we're, I'm not the only one that that drives that fucking. Oh no! Down. And then I mean, to go with that too is what really grinds my gears. Um, is these troops that are coming in for six months to a year and getting out for migraines oh. and getting 100 percent disability. Right. And, you know, like when there's guys out there that have actually been to combat and that have actually seen some stuff that are getting 20 percent and it, the system is just and that's another thing I want to bring awareness to, man, is that the um, the opportunities and resources for veterans like my brother in law, he's a Marine. He spent, I think, eight years in the Marine Corps and did a lot of high speed shit. And, um, you know, I talked to him and I was like, hey, so you're getting VA disability, right? I mean. He was like, no. I was like, why not? Like, you know, he hurt his back. He hurt mm-hmm. his arm. Like, I mean, 
he deserves a percentage. He busted his ass for this country. Yeah. There's so many vets that are getting out that don't understand that actually did stuff, the resources and, and the money that they can get. But the people that are coming in for like a year and getting out, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that bugs me, man. I think there should be like a, a certain criteria. You got to spend at least five years to get 100%. So how does that work? Situation like, pending. is it all just based off of each individual case? Like, how do they yeah. determine yeah. he gets 100, he gets... Yeah, it's based off every individual case. Um, they take into effect surgeries, ailments, um, mental health, I mean, you name it. Whatever service-connected injuries you had, they'll take all of that and do their VA math, and then you'll get your percentage that way. Right. But they're, they're, like I'm saying, these kids are coming in, yeah. getting out for migraines yeah. and getting like shit ton of money. But I got a headache now. That's a whole different rant. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. You talked about, like, we had a guy on a couple years ago. His name's Ryan Lonegren, and his job in the military was he would cuff all the prisoners as they came in. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if he I don't know if he saw combat or anything, but that was his job. Like he cuffed all all the high ranking people that they arrested. Like that was his job was mm. to cuff them. And he's like that fucked with me because he's like, it's an intimate moment. He's like, I'm going up there and I'm physically putting hands on these people. And then he's like, I he's like, it's weird. I know. But he's like, that's what I struggled with. He was yeah. like, it was a, it was a weird job, but he was like, you know, you're, you're putting hands on every one of these, all, every one of these people that are in charge of some of the most heinous things that we've seen. And he's like, I'm right there in their grill yeah. every single day. If they got to go to the bathroom or what, if they're getting yard time, I'm cuffing them and I'm taking them. But like, I, and I can't remember, I'd have to, I'd have to listen to that podcast again, but like, I don't even know if he pulled the trigger ever. Yeah. But that was his job, and, like, he struggled with that for years. So, like, it's just weird because, like, you don't have to see a bunch of blood and guts over there. It you can don't. be something as simple as putting your bare hands on somebody's wrists. 100%. Everybody's trauma is different. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that's where um, a lot of people get the whole PTSD um, conception messed up. You know what I mean? Um, yes, when you think of military, you think of combat trauma right. when, when the word PTSD comes up. but. There's all different forms, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So how long did you uh, battle with, you know, you, you said, like, you turned to the bottle and, mm -hmm. and substance abuse. Like, how long did you fight with that before you finally figured, well, I, I better go do something about this? So I was a heavy drinker as a kid. Um, I grew up in a household to where alcohol was present. Um, my mother wasn't a drinker. And so... You know, even in high school, like, I mean, alcohol and substances has held me back so much throughout my life. Um, I would like to think that I was a good enough athlete to get a college scholarship for football, but um, I was too busy doing things I shouldn't be doing. Um, but, yeah, man, I would say probably around 16 um, is whenever, you know, I started drinking a lot and then making a bunch of dumb decisions in high school. And I was at the point in my life I had just graduated and my high school sweetheart and my wife, Marissa, she, she gave me the ultimatum. She was like, you're either going to do something with yourself or I'm leaving. Because she was in college, like thriving, and here I am just being a dirtbag. And so, you know, my parents couldn't afford to send me to college. And so um, the only thing I can do is really join the military. And I've always wanted to. A buddy of mine, Daniel Wisenhunt, we used to go to the Army recruiter and get, like, shirts and right. all the little free stuff. And we had talked about going together. Um, he, unfortunately had an episode with some uh, substances that almost took his life. But uh, so, yeah, man, I joined the military and I was 
19, I think. Yeah, 19. Um, drinking heavy, Germany, drinking heavy. Got to Fort Hood, deployments. Um, 2009, my wife was like, hey, you're out of control. It's the first time I seek behavioral health. Um, and it's just been a roller coaster since then, man. Yeah. Since 2009 till eight months ago, it's been, I've got, I've had a lot of trauma I've never addressed. And I finally in my life have found a therapist in Wichita Falls that I think is truly an angel for me. Her name's Jamie Lynn Estrada. And, um, she has helped heal me and I, I've, I've got so much growth to go, man, but it's, uh, I've been in and out of behavioral health and treatment centers. I've been into inpatient treatment four times mm. in my military career. Um, and I think a lot of the reason for that was, you know, you, you can only handle so much mentally and the trauma that you try to like, um, forget about and bury is always going to be there. Um, and for me, I never wanted to address it. And so PTSD is like your body's ability to handle stress, mm -hmm. stressful situations. So I had all this baggage, you know, at the back of my heart or the back of my mind, and I would be doing good, and then the stressful situation would come about, and then I would lose it. You know, I'd be sober for a few months. Um, something comes up, boom. So, you know, uh, one thing that I've learned is I have to address these demons. I have to rip some of these band-aids off and if I truly want to heal, cause I'll be 40 when I retire and I'm like, that's half a lifespan. Yeah. So the first 40 years have been pretty rough, <laughs> pretty rough, man. And so I'm at the second part of my life and I want to thrive. I'm going to be the best father, the best husband, the best Christian man, the best leader that I can be. And so I finally started doing the work. And that's the thing is men, we don't, we don't want to address these, issues that we have and I don't care who you are we yeah. all have some sort of depression we all have some sort of shit in the back of our brain that we think about that that holds us back and you know I've been very vulnerable and very open with my uh my struggles mm. because uh you know I've had so many people reach out to me and just hey man thank you for being open about it because I'm struggling with that too and that's what I want to do you know I've I'm not trying to get all you know Christian preachy but you know um especially these past eight months I uh I just been telling the Lord to use me however he needs me, put me on the platform wherever you want me. And like I was, like I said, I wanted to open my own business when I retired, but right now I'm just praying, Hey, put me where you want me. If it's, I don't know, but, uh, yeah, it's been a struggle, man. Like I said, I've been in and out, but I think I was at the point in my life this time to where I was really ready to be healthy. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, what's different because every other time I've gotten sober or went to see the therapist and, it was kind of like, well, I want to do it, but I don't want to do it. And, you know, I'm here because I've had people that never gave up on me. Like my wife, man, she is a, she's an angel. I put her through hell. I put her through hell. Um, and she's, she's been by my side the whole time. Through all these moves throughout the military, through all these deployments, all the time gone, she never gave up on me. And, you know, I, I'm just at the point in life to where, you know, hopefully we can um, just thrive from here. Yeah, and like when you look at the divorce rate among people that are deployed, like, you know, just the fact that y'all are still together is almost an anomaly in itself. 100%. I mean, she, she should have left so much, so many times, man. But, um, you know, she never gave up on me because she knew like deep down, she knew who I was. She right. knew who I, who I wanted to be. Um, but, yeah, it's things are on the right track. Well, and getting help is like, that's counter or 
being vulnerable, I shouldn't say getting help, yeah. being vulnerable is counterintuitive to like your whole mission. Like, you know, the whole time that you were being, you know, forged into this hardened soldier, it is on to the next, you know, bottle that shit up. You got to be, you got to be this guy. You got to be this tough guy. And the, finding the balance between that. I think if, um, if I would have, man, the, the stigma is real. Yeah. The reprisal's real. Um, I think if, you know, 10 years ago, if I would have had the support to, to go seek help, to, to get my shit together, mm-hmm. I could have been a hundred times a better leader and soldier than I was. Right. But it, it wasn't there. I mean, this last time I went to treatment, I went to treatment in January and, you know, here I am at almost 20 years of service. It, it came a point too, man, to where I had to say, what's more important? Mm. Is is my life and my mental health more important or is the mission? Because in the military, it's mission first. Right. And I still struggle with that mission first mindset. Like even with this nonprofit, like it's, it's caused issues with my marriage because I've got a goal and I'm trying to achieve it. And so I get so tunnel vision, but it's always mission first. And um, I, there was a point where I was like, you know what? I'm going to take care of myself. The mission can hold, but I feel as if, you know, 10 years ago, if I would have um, really gotten healthy i could have been 10 times a better soldier 10 times a better leader but they don't want to hear that they right. would just rather you continue mission suck it up drive on drink water <laughs> take some ibuprofen and we'll see you at pt the next morning you know what i mean yeah, yeah so yeah. um yeah kick the can down the road mm-hmm. uh, let's talk about your 22 mission okay you've got it we've got a hotter than hell hundred coming up in wichita falls it's a big bike ride you ride 100 miles and yes sir y'all got it you've got a Tell us about what you're. Yeah, so um, we created a team. I originally had, I want to say like 20 people that were gonna ride. Um, we're down to four now. <laughs> Me, <laughs> it is fucking hot. So it's it like is hot. <laughs> and 25 miles ain't no joke, no. man. My son and I have been training for it, and bro, man, I'm not a bicycle rider, but it it is actually pretty therapeutic, man. If it wasn't 115 degrees, <laughs> but um, so yeah, so we uh. I wanted to, I've never read the hotter in hell. And I was like, you know what? This would be a perfect opportunity to bring more awareness to the 22 a day. Um, 22 soldiers or veterans that are committing suicide or taking suicide attempts. Um, and so I was like, let's, let's sign up for the 25 mile route and we'll ride 22 miles in honor of them. And then at the 22 mile stop, we'll stop, we'll plant a flag and we'll do like kind of a little ceremony in remembrance of the 22. So um, I, uh, that mission is so near and dear to my heart. Um, you know, we used to lose so many battle buddies, brothers, sisters in arms at war, but we're not really at war anymore. So, um, the problem we have now is suicide is veteran suicide. And when I was in Alaska, one of my soldiers, um, Colton Patton, we were talking about Patton earlier. Every time I hear that name, it reminds me of him, but, uh, he was like a little brother to me, um, used to take my kids places. Uh, he's a good, great kid, great kid. I'm, I want to say he was maybe around 23, 24 when he took his life in 2020. But, um, yeah, so he had, uh, had some issues with his wife and I don't want to get into that, but, um, unfortunately he ended up taking his life when we were stationed in Alaska. He hung himself in his garage and, uh, that was the first time that I've ever experienced suicide. I've never known anybody to um, to take their own life, and it was rough. 
It was really rough. And it was real because, you know, the 22 campaign started a few years ago. And you would see it, you know, on social media and on Facebook. And But I was never personally affected about it. Not that it didn't mean anything to me. But um, so, yeah, he took his life and probably a few months after that, it's, it's crazy because as long as I've been in the military, I have never really had a true mentor um, that really kind of took care of me and looked out for me. I've had to pretty much learn everything on my own and kind of grind, you know what I mean? It's hard to find good leaders that care for you. I mean, that's just not just in the military. That's just in everyday life. Yeah. Um, but I found a guy, um, Peter Isaacson, and he was a, f- a former first sergeant, and he was he would come down and we we became friends. We became really good friends, and uh, he ended up he had spent I want to say twenty two years in the service, and it um, had some pretty severe injuries, and he hurt his neck. He was ready to retire. I mean, twenty two years in today's army, bro. You need medal of honor for that stuff. But uh, he was trying to retire, and they wouldn't let him retire. And he was, you know, he had two kids, two teenage kids, and he was like, look, I've put so much time in. I'm ready to move on, kind of like how I am. Let's go on to this next chapter of life. And the Army was saying, no, you can't, because his MOS was specific for that area in Alaska, and they wouldn't let him retire. So he ended up taking his life. He shot himself in the head in his kitchen, and um, his family found him, and his kids found him. And so it was like one uh, big punch to the face right after the other. And I was like, this can't be real, man. Like, really? Like, so that was two. And like I said, I've never experienced anybody take their lives. Like, no, none of my friends, none of my family. I've had lots of people overdose from, from drugs that meant a lot to me. But um, so Peter ended up taking his life. And, man, Alaska was so bad for me. It was so good, but it was also so bad. And... Um, PCS from Alaska down here, back to Wichita Falls at Fort Sill. And um, last year, uh, my soldier, Demarius Brown, well, he he got out, it wasn't even a year ago. It was probably, I know exactly when it was. It was January 18th. Um, It's funny because it was the day that I was going into treatment. I was in uh, the behavioral health office on Fort Sill and they were going to take me into Red River. That's where I went down here in Wichita Falls. Um, and I got a phone call from one of my NCO buddies, and he's like, did you hear yet? And I was like, did I hear what? He's like, Brown took his life. And I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. And so that, I haven't cried in so long, man. Like, um, with that's another thing I'm working on, too, is actually being able to have emotions and feel again because for so many years I just yeah. pushed that shit back. Um, but that broke me. I mean, of course, I cried for Colton and Peter, but um, it, it broke me, man. And I was like, my the counselor was in there. She was like, are you okay? I'm like, this is the day that I went to treatment. And I was like, I'm fine. But uh, so Demarius Brown ended up hanging himself. He had just gotten out of the military, went to, for work, uh, went to work on a ranch in Arkansas and was having marriage issues. And um, so, yeah, man, it's, you know, it's, it's been tough. Um, but it just breaks my heart knowing that these dudes were suffering and, suffering in silence and you know any bit of awareness that I can bring to this if I can save one person then that then I know I'm successful and so that's the reason behind the 22 mile so the 22 uh mile 22 what we want to call it but uh 
yeah, just to help bring more awareness to these guys and help these guys know, hey, if you're struggling, reach out, bro. Where's mile 22 at? I don't know. I have to look at the route. You know, suicide is a it, it's it's a horrible thing, but to a family, it's no different than a car wreck. Mm-hmm. You know, people are like, "What do you mean?" Well, huh? you're not expecting someone to die. If you're a family member and someone in your family kills himself, it's no different than dying in a car wreck. I oh, mean, it's way different. Well, you're pissed off at him most of the time. No, but you're left with so much. You're but, you're because you're always that's like that's like somebody. This is a terrible analogy, but that's like somebody dying from drunk driving and knowing you could have taken the keys. You always feel responsible okay. the, the, because you're always thinking back to every that last conversation that I had. Did I miss something that I could have said something? What, right. what I mean, though, is it's a shock to a family the same as it is if someone gets killed in a car wreck. To that family, they don't – I mean, it's all of a sudden he's dead. I mean, it's – Yeah, but there's, I'm a, trying to, there's an immense amount of burden that the survivors carry because every – I guarantee you, the wife, whatever problems they were going through – They do carry that, but I'm saying when you get a call that someone died – whether it's killed themselves or indirect, to a family, it's a horrible deal. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just a it's, it comes out of nowhere. Yes, you are going to feel guilty about that. But like when your friend dies, you may not talk to Demarius all the time. I don't know how often you talk to him, so it's no different than getting a call. He's in an accident. I mean, it's a, what he did was I, I, don't, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Well, I know for, what I'm trying to say, but I'm not. It's not coming out the way I wanted to say. It's suicide is it's it is different to me. It is. Um, just for the mere fact that, you know, I think a lot of these can be prevented. Most all of them you know can I mean? be. And, you know, um, as, as far as like car wrecks, if that's your time to go, that's your time to go. It's still tough right. either way. Losing somebody is, is going to be hard no matter what. Right. It's just different than if they have a disease or something. It's it's blindsides a person when someone in their memory. And I we knock on wood, we haven't had to deal with this in our family. Yeah. But I know a lot of people that have done it. I went to school with a couple of guys that did it over yeah. stupid shit, you know. Yeah. But... I mean, it, it is. Yeah, but I mean, if, if if one of your kids or grandkids, if you get the call that they committed suicide and you knew that they were kind of struggling, you would always replay every conversation you ever had with them in your mind. Well, like, that's, what the that fuck did I miss? Yeah. It's my fault. I should have been there for them. I wasn't there. So there's a lot of survivors that, you know, have survivors, guilt. They, survivors they, guilt. They have to carry that burden now. Whatever yeah. battles that this person was dealing with, it's passed on to the people that, they loved and had friendships. With. It's a very yeah. selfish because deal. everybody it feels is. like they miss it something. Is. I mean, I hate to be, I'm not being inconsiderate, but it's a very selfish act. It is. And it, for me, what, like, you know, of course there's so many questions, yeah. right? Like, um, but for me is, well, I guess what, you know, breaks my heart the most is just knowing, um, how bad they were suffering to, yes. make, to make you want to do that. Like, you know, I've been in some really low points in my life. And eight months ago was one of them. Uh, I've never, you know, tried to take my life. Um, it did cross my mind eight months ago. But, and I know I was in a bad spot, but to actually follow through with it, the yeah. pain that those people are feeling, that's what really gets me. And, and, you know, and if they don't leave a note, which none of these guys did, it just makes you have so many questions. Like, not only what could I have done something better? Should I have called him the other day? You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's, um, and then for the, the, immediate families involved like you know i still talk to Patton's mom daily I, I messaged her the other day and um you know i just see the i can't imagine man losing your kid no matter mm. but also like to something like that that would, they chose would, that would, would be rough yeah that's yeah, a tough deal rough. and the 
the set. Well, it's all they're all sad. You met that little sixteen year old girl that does it because some guy broke up with her. Right. right. Like you got your whole life ahead of you. It's right. not even that important. And how how many people have you ever heard say, like, oh, I just wish I'd die. This is just bullshit. I'd rather die than this shit. Right. You don't mean that shit. Right. I mean that's you got your whole life. They don't I don't know. It's a it's a bad deal. Depression mm-hmm. is horrible. And I see more and more people are depressed and you see stuff and you think, God almighty. And you know, like the main reason for that too is they're I mean and even today's generation is everybody's inside. You yeah, know, everybody like- everybody stays inside. They're on video games. Not only just hot, but like, you know, where we grew up, we grew up outside playing football, like mm-hmm. riding bicycles. Um, but with today's generation, everything's like everybody's isolated, mm-hmm. especially since COVID. Yep. Um, everybody's isolated. Nobody wants to get outside, but people don't understand. Like, I think they did a study, some small uh, tribal village in South America. They did a study on depression with that village. And I want to say 1% out of a population of like 400 were depressed. And that's because they had the hunter-gatherer mentality. They're out every day exercising. They're out eating healthy food. They're out getting vitamin D from the sun. Like their lifestyle, like you know, back in the day, is built around thriving and living. As humans, we weren't built to stay in a house and play video games and not talk to people. One thing that's helped me heal so much lately is being active with my church and getting like new friendships and relationships. Because when I was, when I was bad, depressed, alcoholic, I don't want to do no, nobody. Mm. Like, you know, it was, Hey, I'm going to come home and say, I'm going to go hunting, but really I'm going out there just to drink, like right. stay away from everybody. But, you know, getting involved and being active and finding productive things to do and talking to people like we're doing right now, you know, that's, there's so many avenues that could fix that. But depression's huge. Well, people have to have a purpose in life, too. And that's True. the thing. <clears throat> when people get True. out of the service, you know, they've had this purpose for so long. 20 yes. years in your case. I've had a purpose. I've had a reason to get up and get going in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then when that gets taken away from them, whether it be retirement or, you know, not able to do it physically anymore, that purpose gets removed. And then it's like, well, what now? Well, I might as well just sit here and be a piece of shit. And that's why I love TFO, man. Like, I'm telling you, like, God gave me this opportunity for a reason because everybody is like, you know, you're going to miss this. You're going to miss the brotherhood. You're going to miss the camaraderie. You're going to miss the right. the dark humor sense of, yeah. the dark sense of humor. You know what I mean? Like and being you, the guys, you, you remind me of an army guy with your personality and how crazy Talking you are shit. all the time. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's what we do like yeah. on a daily basis. And so when they get out and they miss that. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, I've had a lot of one of my, really good friends greg he, he got out and he's missing he's like bro i miss it i want to come back and i'm like dude go get plugged in with the veteran community around you somewhere there's a vfw and greg's a big right. beer drinker go to the vfw and drink beer like but with tfo that's what we do is we get these guys that are missing the camaraderie the brotherhood and we're just fostering relationships and you know keeping that going and so i'm super thankful for that when i see somebody that's frail and their skin white pasty white I worry about them. I really do. <laughs> you got to have vitamin D, bro. You have to get the fuck you out of do. your house. And you got to be around people. Well, and if you just sit in your house, your problems get magnified because that's all you do is you think about what's wrong with you. And that's why Alaska was so bad for me. Like, this, the spring and summer was whew, amazing. Right. But, you know, eight months of winter, I, I'm not an ice fisherman and I don't ski. So it was like inside Netflix, <laughs> drinking beer, yeah. you know what I mean? Like. You have they actually have a happy lights when you're in Alaska. They have actual um, UV ray light bulbs right. that emit vitamin D that everybody uses. But 
man, Alaska's bad with depression I, and suicide. Th- it's terrible. It's one of the leading states. Yes. Like the um, yes. Inuits or whatever it is, mm-hmm. the Eskimos. I don't know what the fucking proper <laughs> word for it is, but them fuckers, they, they're, they, they commit a lot of suicide. They and do. Because of that, they yep. drink and they get hoarded up. I'm going to tell you a prime candidate right now. If we play Deadpool, you know what Deadpool is? Where you pick someone that's going to die, die in a year. Okay. And they do celebrities. You know, you pick someone with stage four cancer. Well, fuck, that's not much of a... <laughs> that's you know. an easy one. Yeah. Britney Spears. <laughs> She'd be a top five pick right now. Have you seen that bitch lately? <laughs> she's getting a divorce. She is fucking... Yeah, she's single now. Yep. She's she? getting a divorce. I yeah. was wondering how long that was going to take. Hey, bro, like... If you yeah. watch her videos, the bitch is pasty white. She's got raccoon eyes. She's fucking cray-cray <laughs> as could be anyways. <laughs> But she's worth about $100 million. So yeah, but your, that's another... your mom is out, and Britney's in if she wants in for $100 <laughs> yeah, million. Dollars. You couldn't handle that Her prenup deal, she had a solid prenup with this guy. Really? Yeah, and now he's trying to trash her, and if he don't, he's going to... They supposedly caught her having sex with a couple of guys that there. I was wondering how long that was going to take. That dude's a good-looking man, yeah. like, you know, like... Yeah. And she's a basket case, oh, bro. Oh, she's, she she's all Fuck over up the and place. A half. Her Instagram is excellent, though. I watch, every day I look at it just to see her shit. And her dancing videos. Oh, yes. shit. She, she looks is, like a weirdo. She is fucking crazy. My wife was the biggest Britney Spears fan. I actually took her to a concert in Dallas a few years ago when she was somewhat normal. Britney thinks she's that oops, I did it again rumping around in her little For Catholic real? girl suit. That ain't shit ain't happening no more. That bitch is cray cray over the hill. Yeah. She's nuts. <laughs> She's the one that's drinking two bottles of vodka at the country club every day and spending yeah, her money. For real. But but anyway, she is pasty white and shit. Yeah. Unless she's bumping some guy on a fucking beach somewhere, going somewhere, <laughs> she's fucking crazy. That's awesome. But you get crazy though, because nobody like like we'll use fame for an, an example. Oh, put one of her videos up up there. You put it on the deal there. So we'll see how crazy she is. But like these people make a life to where nobody tells them, like, no, nah, that's a bad idea. You shouldn't do that. Yeah. Like if you tell Britney Spears. Like, hey, that's stupid. Don't do that. She's you're just not gonna hang out with Britney Spears anymore. <laughs> I mean, look at this. She looks like an old stripper, and she she was a beautiful girl from the from Louisiana. She was. Look at her now. Look at her just Golly. dancing videos. And her dance is horrible too. Yeah, you it's know? not. It's, it's not like all that good. You figure she had all that uh, stage time. Her dances right. would be a little bit better, but them fucking eyeballs. That's got cray cray. Oh yeah, she's on something, man. Yeah, that's Tiffany, the old stripper from somewhere. <laughs> Oh, well, there you go. Yep. Oh, she's on a pole now. Lordy mercy. Got to stay active. You, you, find, you find a woman worth $100 million that acts like that shit. Don't happen very often. And self-made. Look at her. <laughs> yeah, but every ever... every guy out there is like, I'll deal with that craziness. That's yeah, funny. Bullshit That's on that shit. Of... She ain't got enough money for that shit. But, mm. That's a lot of I haven't seen that one yet. Is that a new one? Oh, yeah. A week ago? Yeah, she's fucking, I'm telling you, she's fucking out there. You remember that Free Britney guy? Just leave Britney Yeah, alone. that that turned out to not be the case. Like she needed her dad. Yeah, turned to find yeah. out. Yeah, like her dance and her dances are all the same. That is just. She's got everything but a meth pipe and fucking living in a garbage pail. She well, probably, she probably has only, the meth yeah, pipe. Yeah, we're only yep. seeing one sliver of one room, so like, she probably has the meth pipe. The meth pipe might be. Oh, there. look at those! Oh my, bro, she's got a demon in her. So but but, but <laughs> I'll give you. The, Pamela Anderson. <laughs> Pam Anderson's still pretty good looking. Have you seen her new documentary? No. You need to watch it. On Netflix? Yeah, I well, she, she moved up to uh, Canada, I think. She's from Canada. Yeah, yeah. yeah she's she's up there on her own little uh, property, and she's doing real well. It was, it was actually a really good watch. I did watch the Pam and Tommy show, though, <clears throat> come out. On Hulu? Yeah. yeah. Hulu. I didn't watch I watched that. the video when it first came out 20 years ago or so. Oh, the so video. So then I video. thought it was only right for me to watch the actual documentary <laughs> so I could figure out how. <laughs> she was a good looking some bitch, too. Yeah. But she's out there also. I think she, she was naturally beauty. She was absolutely natural. She's beauty. way more like 
put oh, together than this chick right here. Britney so. Spears is yeah. batshit fucking crazy. That's the bitch that comes out of a 7-Eleven asking you for $2 to buy a cigarette. That is, or a cigarello. I probably, She's fucking cray cray. I probably shouldn't say this, but that's kind of like uh, that town I just drove through, Monday, Texas. Mm-hmm. Get her on the planes. Woo. There's, oh. there's some really good people in Monday, though. I shouldn't yeah, say that. They don't, they don't have any Britney Spears over there, though. But I saw a couple guys that were... Oh, sketch. the guy by awesome. See, yeah, he's there every day. Is he? You can go by there at three o'clock in the morning or two. I always honk and wave at him. <laughs> the first time I walked, uh, was there a few months ago. I had my son with me. But look at Brittany there. She was no, beautiful. That's that's Pam. Pam. I mean, Pam. look at Pam. She was yeah. beautiful. That was her original, like with Labats or whatever. That's where she that got was, her break. Oh, she yeah. was in a football that was game. Yeah, that was kind of her original ad. Beautiful girl. I mean, yeah, she's just a beautiful, natural beauty. Yep. Beautiful yep. chick. And Britney Spears was too. I mean, that, I'm telling you, Hollywood. It sucks the energy out of people. It sucks their shit out of them. They, they they use you up and you're done. And unless you're on adrenochrome or whatever it is, you fucking don't age well. Have y'all watched that new uh, Sound of Freedom yet? I no, I will yet. not watch it because it'll just piss me off. Yeah. fucking politicians. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna give it a watch. I was really proud of Odell Beckham Jr. enough that I may even draft him in fantasy, even though he won't be worth having. Did Why, you? What did he say? He come out against it and said something needs to be done about these kids. He said this is ridiculous. And then another athlete come out, too. So those athletes are starting to talk about mm -hmm. it. Just like they're also talking about how bad the injection is for them, and they're all talking about that shit, too. Yeah. One of them is going to break ranks on that deal, too. It's so, about time. I don't know what's going to happen, because, like, a lot of these if, – if if they're ever able to tie some of these things that we're seeing with the vac to the, to the jab, like, surely some of these companies are going to be liable, right? They should be. If they were, if you were told by your company to work here, you have to do this medical procedure, and then it's found out that this medical procedure is causing blood clots and myocarditis. Like, there should be some your employer kind of liable. should be liable for that. So you know what the military did, right? Uh uh How they kind of they yeah. forced us to get it, yeah. and if you didn't get it, they kicked you out. Yeah. So one of my soldiers, Hayden, he he was totally against it. He was like, "I'm not taking it," and so they chaptered him out of the army for not taking a shot. And um, now they're trying to bring people back. Now it's not mandatory anymore. Mm. My, so, my my youngest is in that boat. He won't do. He took the first one and yeah. maybe took one. He said I ain't taking more. But he said I'll get out. I can make a lot more money out of it anyways. But I, yeah, I took one when I was in Korea just for the fact if we didn't take it, we would have to be restricted to post. We couldn't leave. And I was like, man, I'm in Korea. I'm gonna go eat this food and go you know see these sites and. But I won't take it in. And I had to take the Johnson & Johnson, too. And that was the one that was really messing people up. Right? We've, we've got a buddy of ours that worked for a company. And I'm not going to mention the company's name. And I'm not going to mention his name. But he's in bad shape right now. And it's probably what it's from. That's, mm -hmm. They've even asked him about it and some other things. But if he would not have taken the jab, then if he would have gotten COVID and had to go home for 14 days, or if he was around someone else that tested positive and they would have isolated him for 14 days, they wouldn't have paid him. So they mm. made him do that. He mm. had no choice. Right. You know, and at that time when it was first come out, if, if you worked with somebody, oh, I was, you know, I was, uh, someone I know had, had COVID. Oh, you got to stay home for 14 days. Yeah. Fucking people are staying home for 14 days all the time. Well, he didn't want to get forced and not get paid for half a month. Right. So he had no choice. I was enjoying it though. <laughs> the staying home? Well, no, like if, if we were around people when it first came out, right. like, you know, well, we did a lot of work from, from teleworking too, even in the military. It was like, Nice. <laughs> but now the policy, like, I mean, you basically have to have it in order to miss work. But supposedly, had a lot of time off. You told us this. Go ahead yeah. and tell me what you told me. Go ahead and tell us. Uh, well, it's from Alex Jones. So the, know, everything he talks a lot, about. A lot of what he says you know, comes true. A little <laughs> bit of truth. But anyway, um, a TSA agent has said October 
be ready for masks on airplanes again. And then by December, be ready for full do- full lockdowns again. Oh, There's God. a variant. I guess it's in Canada. And like TSA has already told their people, like October, we're rolling this out. And December, damn, full lockdowns again. But the airlines lost their asses from full lockdowns, right? Didn't they, Jeff? Yep. So I don't know why they would be on board with it, but I figured they'd be the people that would be like, no, we're not doing this again. I um I like to travel and I like to fly, and I would wear a mask again if they made me if it was a mandatory you would. deal. Probably just because I'd want to fucking fly and say, I mean, if I didn't have no choice, if I had to be in New York tomorrow and they said you had you can fly or you can fucking drive, <laughs> I'm fucking wear a mask. I I'm mean, going to Hawaii in February. Yeah, so. I mean, you well, fuck, you ain't got no choice. You gonna yeah. fucking get on a boat? I mean, that's it. You yeah. get fly or boat. You ain't driving. Oof. But I mean, I would have to wear one if I did. But I would. I don't think America's gonna go for it. Mm-hmm. The motherfucking countries will. Some of our liberal cities might, mm-hmm. but I'm not going for that shit. Yeah. So I would, I, I don't think very many, the, the airlines, they got them by the balls though, because how many, fi- how many flights have you been on that didn't have a soldier on it? They all have a soldier on there. Oh yeah. Every one of them. They got a big government contract Yeah. and they make a lot of money. So if the government come out and they are the biggest customer of our airlines and said, listen, we're not flying on America no more unless you're going to go with us on this deal. Right. American's going to go with you. They don't want to lose a billion, you know, mm-hmm. how many billions a year the right. government spend with American Airlines. Yeah. So, I, Damn, I don't know. Damn, I but, hope that doesn't happen. But everything Alex Jones says comes true just yeah. about. Yeah. Or is true, and we don't want to talk about it. Did he ever on. get in trouble for that case? I know that he was. Oh, he's still, they're, they they're still doing trying it. to break his ass over that deal. Yeah. You know, free speech is not free if you're a. Republican, yep. Democrats, you can say what the fuck you want to. Yep. You know, it's just like us. We get sh- we get shut down on a lot of our social media over things. But really? if we put a four year old girl in fucking uh, a Boy Scout uniform, be okay. Right. Or if we took a four year old boy and put him in a fucking dress, dress and high yeah. heels, you know, then it's Dwayne Wade's son, and it's okay. Oh, have you seen that picture of his family? No. He's got. He had. A, he posted a picture the other day about how brave he is and his family. I guess he got inducted into the basketball hall of fame. Mm-hmm. Well, his wife is Gabrielle Union, the chick that's on Bad Boys, right? Smoke show, good looking lady. Bring Fucking it on, cheer movie. Dumber, dumber and shit though. I guess it's on my household. They have time. a son that's a daughter that they've been dressed as a girl since she was two, three years old. Full fucking high heels, 12, 14, 15 years old, six foot three. Probably fucking <laughs> needs to have a basketball, you know. But wears a dress everywhere and stuff and. <laughs> So, and I did see the clip where he interviewed. He's got his own show, I guess. And he interviewed Michelle Obama to talk about coming out. Well, Big Mike could be the one to talk to about yeah, that for shit. real, dude. So, uh, <laughs> anyways, Big Mike. This, this, this. But they've raised this kid. And then I saw a picture of uh, Megan Fox, mm-hmm. another smoke show. Yeah, she's got three boys. All of them are transgender. Oh. What are the percentages of that? One in a billion, probably. You know, I've got three sons. They all think they. You know, they need to get their penis cut off. Mm. But, Insane. But Thank you, sir. She, uh... Is there no cold ones left? Here. No, no, no. I'm good. I'm good. I just drank a bottle of water. I was just but, fucking yeah, with Andy. You can have a hot one. <laughs> but uh, I was... I was listening to... Um, or Megan Fox. All her three of her boys are transgenders. And all this is fucking... Uh, Charlize Theron, I think her boys did. Sharon Stone, all these motherfuckers. I guess they all went and got adopted little boys when to turn them into little girls. Why don't you just adopt a fucking girl? Jordan Peterson did the math on that. On the it's, it's one in a billion, wasn't it? So disgusting. <clears throat> I'll try to find you it. Go, you should be going to hell for that shit. Yes, there's they it's will. Ridiculous. They, they, that's, they that's will. right. Their, their other side is not going to be good to yeah. them. I just don't understand what is cute 
about dressing a little boy up and telling him he's a little girl. Because if you took any kid, I'm telling you right now, you could take the horniest kid in the world, and if you would have <laughs> taken him at a year and a half of age and started making him think he was a girl the whole time, he's going to fall for that. Right. I just thought mathematically right away. It's like the chance you have a trans kid is one in 3,000. And let's say the chance that you have a pansexual kid is the same. What is pansexual? means I don't even know how to calculate those odds. But whatever that is, is rarer than trans because no one ever even heard about it until five years ago. So mm-hmm. the joint probability that you have a trans kid and a pansexual kid is one in nine million. The odds that you're a pathological narcissist sacrificing your own children is eight million. 999,999 to 1. Wow. I have two children. Five. Um, Did you see that interview with him? He, well, I'll you, try to find it. Did you see that interview? What is I pansexual? Mean, pansexual. I, you have sex with no, pots and pans? I mean, no, 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 no. <laughs> pan, means ev- pan means everything. So I think it, maybe you're fluid, maybe. Like you uh-huh. can be anything at any given so moment. So you're bisexual. There's only bisexual because you either sleep with well, a boy no, or no, a girl. No, because because now they have furries. Fuck right. that shit. You're still a boy or a girl. <laughs> you may like fucking goats, yeah. but you either like boy goats or you like girl goats. Yeah. That's it. There's just two. You know, if you look at any hunting rag in the deal, you either shoot a buck or a doe. Two. <laughs> I ain't seen so a fucking transsexual deer yet. Exactly on video. She said, well, I have two children, five and seven. One is trans and the other is pansexual. And I just thought mathematically right away, it's like the chance you have a trans kid is one in 3,000. That's not a very high chance. And let's say the chance that you have a pansexual kid is the same, whatever pansexual means. But whatever that is, is rarer than trans because no one ever even heard about it until five years ago. So the joint probability that you have a trans kid and a pansexual kid is one in nine million. The odds so that you're... basically the same thing, but I got to find out what pan is, pansexual is. But yeah, I mean, so one in 3,000 are the odds for you to have a trans kid. One in what, 3,000? One in 3,000 is that. So it's, we should have two trans... No, we should have one transsexual kid in Knox County then. <laughs> basically, yeah. Well, no, because we don't have 3,000 kids in Knox City. Oop. So... Or Knox County. So in Wichita Falls has got a, Wichita County's got a population of 150,000 people. 50? 150,000 oh, wow. people live in Wichita County. So let's say that there's 20% of them are kids. That's 30,000 people. Yeah. And so Wichita County should have 10 transsexual kids then. Mm. Pan is your attracted towards all genders, regardless of sex or gender identity. So you're bisexual. Basic, mm-hmm. Basically, yeah. Yeah, there's a meme. Uh, I think I saw it on Facebook or Instagram, but it says, uh, what I imagine you say when you're pansexual, and there's just like this <laughs> weird little girl like licking this pan. Not, <laughs> this, not little girl, this woman licking this pl- like, pan. I was mm-hmm. like, like, I didn't even know what that shit means. Like brownie so batter. So it's, ba- it's basically just bisexual. You're attracted basically. to, okay. We, but we they want to make new words. And We were in Woodstock, New Hampshire. We went by a church up there, and up there all the churches have got... Uh, the gay flags and the other stuff going on, you know. And then the funniest one I saw was Black Trans Lives Matter. <laughs> so I started doing the math. In the great state of Vermont, there's six black people live in Vermont probably. It's all white people. <laughs> we all know that shit. It's all white people. <laughs> black straight guys, they don't fucking matter, but black trans did. So I had a buddy of mine that's a black guy, and he's definitely heterosexual. So you better be careful up there because <laughs> they're fucking get your ass. But if you was a transsexual, you'd be okay. Yeah. But how many black transgenders are there anyways? I just, you know, less than <laughs> half of half of half of half of 1%. I mean, what the fuck is going on with our country? Why don't we just call them what they are? They're fucking weirdos. Yeah. That's what it is. If you are transsexual, you are a fucking weirdo. Yeah. Do you agree? I agree. Andy? Yeah, something's off. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. you're fucking, you're not wired right. Yeah. 
You know, we have gotten to a place or, now where if you're gay, we can accept that. Right. You know, I, I don't care if you're gay or straight. It doesn't bother me. You know, when I was in high school, it probably would have bothered me. I thought, yeah, it's fag. <laughs> nowadays, nowadays, it doesn't bother me no more. It, it doesn't. I guess right. I'm older. I'm more accepting of shit. Yeah. But the transgender shit, I ain't never going to get over that shit. Yeah. Ever. I'm telling you right now, never, 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 never in my life. If I'd lived to be 110 years old, 60 or 55 years from now, you're a fucking weirdo if you're transsexual. I'm with you. I remember whenever the don't ask, don't tell policy came yeah. in the military. Yep. And uh, um, we had a troop. Uh, I didn't even I didn't even get a gay vibe at all from him. I thought he was straight. Then that well, whenever that passed, we came in the office and he had a picture of him and his husband together, and I was like, Oh, what? Like, yeah. interesting. So you're into penis. Interesting. You. <laughs> you, you know, uh, you look at uh, Bud Light. They, the Dylan? best commercial Bill, Bud Light ever had was when they used to make fun of the Washington Redskins, the Hoggettes. Do you remember when the the Redskins, back in the 80s, I know who the when Hoggets they were a super are. team, they had the men that dressed up mm-hmm. to all the football, they were called the Hoggettes, a bunch of fat guys mm-hmm. with a mustache, the old porn mustaches. Yeah. They dressed up like women, and they'd show them on TV all the time. Then Bud Light said, fuck that, we're going to get into that shit. Ladies' night, beer's $2 a pitcher or whatever it was. Here comes the Hoggettes. So they highlighted that. Right. Now what do we do? Now we got fucking that whatever his name is, Dylan, Dylan Mulvaney or yeah, whatever his name is. Yeah. And it's ruined their company. You know, Good. they were doing a whole lot better off when we were making fun of transgender shit right. and trying to prop them up. I can't believe they promoted that. I saw man. where Billy Bush wants to buy the company back. I don't know if he's got the capital, but they want to, he wants to buy Bud Light back from Bud and make it an all American. Did you see that? Uh-uh. Yeah, They're going to have to do something. He says, he said, we can save that company, but we want to come back. He said, my grandfathers would roll over in their <clears> grave <throat> to think that this company is supporting transgender bullshit. Mm. And it's coming from Billy Bush. Right. Now, they've sold everything and been done. But he's right. right. And I don't know why it's so hard to say that. Mm. How many people in their office that listen to this, and we have hundreds of thousands of people listening to our shit every day, how <laughs> many of them actually got a guy in their office that don't know what the fuck he is? Right. You know? I know men that like men. I know men that like women. I know some that are fucking confused. Right. But I don't know any of them that think they're a fucking woman. Don't give an <laughs> idea. I don't know. Not good. It's a dangerous trajectory that we're on. And, we're, and you get in trouble if you say anything. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you can't say that. Why? Everybody's fucking thinking the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know? I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Drag me up, bro. I couldn't be in the military. <laughs> I couldn't know all this shit, these fancy you places. You couldn't be anywhere other than right here. You got to get that uh, annual transgender training. I'll make sure I bring you along next time. <laughs> Wait, actually, I'm done with that. Did, yeah, you ever, did you ever watch that show, Rescue Me? Dennis Leary was a fireman. No. It is a great show. One of the best. It's going to come back on Netflix in about 10 years, and it's going to be a huge hit, and everybody's going to be watching it again. Well, all this would have to go away. What? The transgender stuff. Th- that's what I'm talking about. Do you remember when they went to that... Uh, sensitivity training? Sensitivity training. God yeah. damn, it's fucking great. That's basically what it is. Oh, but they talk about... They make fun of white people. They make fun of black people. They make fun of Mexican people. Yeah. They make fun of gay people. They make fun of everything, yeah. and it's on the show. They even make fun of midgets, because they had a midget on the show for a while, didn't they? <laughs> Uh, they're dwarf. Yeah, the guy lived with him for a while. They're dwarfs now. Yeah. You can't call them midgets without yeah. getting in trouble. Here's a cl- here's the clip. Hi guys, Don climbing. I know nobody wants to be here. Yeah, seeing as how the neighborhood we serve is shorter rig for the next eight hours. Yeah, we ain't happy. Fair enough. Now, how many of you, <laughs> being totally honest now, how many of you would say that you're prejudiced? Show of hands. Okay, see, now this is a usual response. No one identifies him or herself as prejudiced. We all think, okay, we have a hand up. You think you're prejudiced? Yep. Against who? 
Well, let's see. Uh, Chevy Neons, it costs 12 grand to buy, but have $8,000 paint jobs and nine spicks inside them smoking weed. That's one thing. Okay, <laughs> now listen. The, the term spick. It's okay. <laughs> spick. Well, see, that's really not... Crazy chink broads who don't know how to drive in the first place, and now they got cell phones stuck at their ears while they're doing 65 miles an hour down 6th Avenue. Huh? Yeah, right there. Got crazy chinks on bikes with 10 pounds of Chinese food strapped to the handlebars. Okay, yeah. now, see, the word <laughs> chink is what I like to call a problem word. Uh, if I were a chink, I'd rather be called a chink. <laughs> gook. Okay, now, <laughs> place. Chinese people would not like to be called gook or chink <laughs> or pan face or zipper head or... See, that's another thing. I mean, Puerto Ricans, we get shafted even when it comes to racism. Chink's got what, like four ethnic slurs? We get one. Spick. That's it. The Irish, <laughs> they got Mick, Patty, Donkey. Italians, they got Guinea, Wop, Dago. Yeah, Spaghetti Bender. Uh, spaghetti <laughs> Bender went out of style during Savantra's first marriage. Okay. Greaseball? Yeah, Greaseball. There you have it. That's four. That's right. You know what? Same thing with the Jews, right? Eve, Pike, Jew Boy, Benny. Shylock. That's five. Yeah, black people forget about it. Spear Chucker, Jungle Bunny, Raisin Head, Porch Monkey, Spook, Giant, <laughs> Car Baby. Yeah. Endless. Totally unfair. Yeah. <laughs> this guy's like, what the fuck? What? <laughs> but see, we should be able to live that way. People shouldn't be so fucking sensitive about yeah. shit. But that's just an old school fire department in New York. And, and that's still, you know, that's the mentality. Not mentality, the... Uh, my dad was a retired firefighter in Wichita Falls. Oh, yeah. And so we talked about that. That's the world I grew up in. Yeah. But like, but nobody got their feelings hurt. If you, right. if you finish the clip, like basically Dennis Leary has enough of it, and he's like, I don't give a fuck what color you are. If your house is on fire, I'm going in. Yeah. yeah. Like, you be what you want to be, black, white, green, Asian, Martian. If your shit's on fire, I don't look at that. Exactly. I'm going in to do a job. 100%. So don't be so fucking sensitive about people, things. People need to loosen up on life. The military used to be that way. And and I asked my son, I asked him, I said, is it that uptight? He goes, not in our deal. He said, we've got a, you know, 12 guys that do They've whatever got a, he does. a cool shop, he a said, cool team, yeah. Well, I don't think they have a shop there yet. I think he's in a, he's a nerd. office. Yeah, nerd. Yeah. They don't even have a coffee pot. Really? Can you believe that shit? I go, do y'all have co- y'all make coffee every day? What do y'all drink? He goes... Well, we don't have a coffee monsters. Pot. I go, you don't have a coffee pot? He goes, I've got Starbucks on every corner around here. Or, oh, or, in Washington. or we have a coffee deal. Yeah. I go, y'all don't have I've never known a military to not have a coffee pot in the yeah. corner. But it's a bunch of nerds. <laughs> so we're but he's in, but he said they can talk about whatever they want to, nobody gets hurt, but there's just twelve of them. But yeah. all it takes is that first person yep. to put a claim on them yes. and then it's all over. That's with. exactly right. And that's why like you've got to be so careful, man. Yeah. Like the equal opportunity, like anything racist, I mean even music, like yeah. you know, we could just, just listen to any music we want. Like, it's it's a civilian workforce in uniform, man. I don't, but <clears throat> but these guys right here, those would be fun people to work for because 100%. that's the life I was around. Yeah, you didn't get feelings hurt. If you're a fat guy, fat guy, someone called me a fat ass. Really, you think that's gonna hurt my fucking feelings? <laughs> you know, I can hurt your feelings. You're not gonna hurt my feelings. You can say whatever you want about me because I don't let shit like that bother me. Right, and most people shouldn't. But it's that one person in your office that gets their fucking panties knotted up every time mm-hmm. that ruin it for fucking everyone else. Yep. You know? But that is a funny fucking clip right there. And that that guy, that that was normal though. Yeah. Not I, like that whole show. That was a show back in the day. That's what I was that's what I was talking about as far as like, you know, the veteran like dark sense of humor, yeah, like minded. Right, like right. that's you know, like that's yeah. That's what we missed. That was like, normal life. Yeah. If you'd have went to any place in the 60s or 70s and yeah. worked somewhere, it was the same shit. Everybody made fun of people. Yeah. People didn't get all their fucking feelings hurt and stuff. They didn't put it on the news. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, but p- another thing that it's really bothers me in the world, world, it does, is people that use color for a crutch. 
Oh, yeah. I don't give a fuck what color you are. If you're poor and you haven't achieved anything in life, that's on your ass. It ain't on nobody else's ass. Yep. This is 2023. Quit living fucking in 1940 or 1840 or whatever the fuck it is. You can achieve anything you want to regardless of what color you are, where you were raised, or anything else. If you're a dirt-ass poor and you're of color, you've got every opportunity to go to any college you want to in the world for free. Yep. You know? Go achieve something with that. Make take advantage of your situation, but don't use it as an excuse because it's not an excuse at all. I'm five foot ten, six foot tall. I couldn't play in the NBA. You know, <laughs> that's a fact. Right. You know. So fucking give give up on that shit. We're gonna have to start wrapping up here soon. I gotta go get my son from school. Nice. So what's your? It's it's the Fallen Outdoors Team Texas. What's your website? So unfortunately. No we website. Well, no, the, there's the national website. It's thefallenoutdoors.org. And then you can follow us on Instagram at TFO underscore Texas. And yeah. anybody in North Texas wants to reach out to you, look you up on what? Uh, Instagram. Instagram. Yeah, Instagram, TFO underscore, underscore Texas. Or you can call me at 940-447-1416. And you're going to be riding in the, the Hotter Hill 100 this Saturday. This Saturday. At mile 22. Mile 22. After the last Rider Old High Games. Let's Fuck the Wichita see. Falls Independent School District. Word. It's only going to be 102 on Saturday. Go so Rojo. What time on? Whoa, what about whoa, it? whoa, whoa. We don't ever say that on this show. Hey, man. Jeff's <laughs> no. an old high this guy. Is, this, I know. This is y'all's year, huh? No, I don't think so. <laughs> Not since they've done the school choice deal. But I will say this. On behalf of every resident, citizen, ex-student of Wichita Falls Independent Schools District, school board can go fuck yourself. <laughs> Preach. And I absolutely Preach. mean that. And so does everybody in every little nook and cranny Wichita Falls. Wichita Falls went from three schools to two, and they're taking away all the history. They might as well be Democratic fucking lawmakers. So fuck Joe Biden and fuck Wichita Falls School District. Gracious. One of the biggest high school rivalry traditions in the state of Texas. In the United taken away States. In the and United States. All going away. All because When's of that some game? Saturday, Friday, Friday night. It is, it is yeah, this it's Friday? the first game of the season now. It used to be towards the end, which right. It was the 10th game back in the day. Well, they're not in a different district in Delmore, so I understand that. Tony's going to the game Friday. I'm not, and I've feeling what the score is going to be anyways, but it's going to be 110 degrees on that turf at about yeah. kickoff. It's going to be hot. It's going to be miserable. Who's home who, team this year? That's what I was just wondering. I wonder if, who's going to be in the sun. If you're in the shade, it's yep. not so bad. Yep. Well, if you're on the sunny side, it's going to suck till halftime. Which, one, which one's the home side? The west home side is the west side. The yeah. west side? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh. Dang, I think, I think Old High is going to be home this year. They are. Because I remember make, last year, Ryder was oh. That would make it a little bit better then. I might bring my That's, own little umbrella. Bring your own umbrella. Yeah, hot <laughs> Anyways, we appreciate you being on here, yeah, Barry. Thank, thank you very, very much. much. And we'll see you. All, you're going to be here for the Veterans Hunt on November 6th, 7th, and 8th with us. And then you're going to come again on November, the Monday and Tuesday before Thanksgiving. You'll have a group of guys up here. Yes, sir. So if you're a veteran in the state of Texas, you need to reach out. Or is it anywhere? Does it have to be the state of Texas? It doesn't have to be the state of Texas. Reach out for you. We've got a pretty good deal on a hunt on November 1920, maybe. Is that the dates? That's why I got to write stuff down. 20, 20th and 21st. 20th and 21st. We sold out the last uh, veteran hunt. We've got a hunt on November 20th and 21st. It's $600 for two days, normally a $900 hunt. You have Monday and Tuesday, come in Sunday, have dinner that night. You have Monday and Tuesday with Team Texas at Fallen Outdoors, and they got the, about the whole place themselves just about. So anyways, we've got a lot of spots open for you. Anyways, if you have, we do have some openings left, holler at us. Perfect. Well, we appreciate you coming out here. Yes, thank you so much, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Appreciate this. Yes, sir. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank y'all for listening to us. You too, brother. We don't really got much going on. We got dove season. Go to Boss. This Boss Stanfield Nines are available at Boss. Look up BossShotShells.com. I don't think you can buy them on the internet. I think you have to call the shop to get them. Talk to Brittany or Meg. They'll take care of you. Bye bye. Go look at.
get our sponsors. Go check out me my paper. Go check out Dirty Duck Coffee, Dive Bomb Industries, Pacific Calls, Boss Shot Shell, Shin Gear, Looking Glass Podcast, Lucky Duck, Ducks Unlimited, Double T British Kennels, Mossberg, Sample Outfitters, Hemp Hill Farms, and Alpha Outdoor Specials.